Hello, hello, warriors. We're going to be doing chapter 20, 21, following the story of Abraham, the birth of Isaac, and then what happens afterwards. So we're just going to get started. Hi, how are you, Mark? Doing pretty good. Great. So what's new this week? Anything exciting? Wow. Yeah, it was a pretty interesting week. And just, um, you know, I've been studying uh, Old Testament and New Testament theology and, uh, you know, trying to, working with some people, trying to help some people at the... Uh, from the church it's uh it's pretty interesting you know the uh had some new insights i think new insights into the human nature yeah it's not new to me new like you know how like i mean everyone knows this i I always feel like everyone knows this but me when i realize things you ever have that happen you're like oh i get it now i've like i've heard people like the uh and maybe even today i don't know if today it'll come up in this uh in this chapter or not but uh this this topic of the uh, the total depravity of man, you know, it's like a doctrine, right? <laughs> like like no, I'm like I'm trying to help some people that just keep. It's like they're. I just I kind of just realized. I think human beings are addicted to sin. Oh yeah, and I, that's like that's basically what it says in the Bible, right? And it's like ah, I get it now. I get it. Human nature, like like fundamentally, you know, well, we're, we're, that we're at war with our own flesh. So yeah, well, yeah. So, and the way Paul uses that word to refer to like our human nature, like it's fun. It's not like, oh, you just you failed. You didn't try hard enough. You know, mm-hmm. it's like you're a bad person. It's like no, we're all, we're all just uh, we're all in that state of uh, we're slaves to sin. You know, and yeah, um, I think we're kind of trapped in it. You know, but I yeah. always wonder because we live in a fallen world. So then, how can we ever? achieve anything better than we what we are already yeah well that's why you know yeah and we're we're declared righteous and then we go through the sanctification process which is a lifetime deal and um so we're not we're not slaves to sin anymore as christians and but you know it just um i just feel like jesus is the answer to to all our problems and um it's such a difficult thing to explain to people sometimes you know but I think once we under, if we really understand the problem that we're in, the situation we're in is, uh, it's like we're doomed, you know, unless we find the solution, right? And the solution is Jesus. But nobody wants to admit we're in this problem. That's the thing. Because yeah. you won't seek the solution. Yeah. Yeah. You don't seek a solution unless you realize the grave situation you're really in. Well, that's you know the thing. I mean? They don't recognize that they're in that state of drowning you know that they're already yeah yeah it's like we're we're drowning in a sea of uh, sin and death and um yeah you don't want to admit it i remember when i used to drink and stuff people would tell me oh you drink too much and and i would say i don't drink enough (laughs) (laughs) they don't get it i don't drink enough i could be drinking a lot more than i do (laughs) well thank (laughs) you know now anyway that was my week yeah yeah Nothing, nothing to it. I, I went through all that spiritual warfare within because I was traveling to go see my family, and they're not believers, so you can just imagine what I go through day in day out with them. They think I'm nuts. They've already told me that I'm brainwashed, which could could be, I guess. But I try. <laughs> all right, I'll try this. Um, I'll try it. All right. Abraham and Abimelech. All right, so. Uh, Abraham journeyed from there toward Negev, settled between Kadesh and Shur, 
and then sojourned in Gerar. Then Abraham said about Sarah, his wife, she is my sister. So Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent for her and took Sarah. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, you are a dead man because of the woman who you have taken, for she is a man's wife. Well, that's interesting. God came to this guy in a dream, which happens a lot. You see this a lot yeah. in the Old Testament. And there's people, it happens to people today, too. Um, I know well, people this has happened to. I wish it would happen to me. Because I would <laughs> something. Um, yeah. Maybe it will. Yeah. yeah I hope so. Yeah. But, but uh, it, he does give him a warning that Sarah is already married. I know we talked about it a little bit. So why do you think they keep doing this over and over if, if it's kind of a simple thing? Well, you know, I mean, yeah, maybe maybe they're, maybe it's an example of Abraham, you know, doing something he's not supposed to do. But also it could be just him being clever because once again, he's trying to, he was given this promise to that he's going to have all these children and have a great nation and all this stuff. And, and his wife is a part of that plan, right? So he's kind of protecting his wife as well. And because back then they would just take, you know, if, if they wanted his wife, just like David did, right? If they wanted his wife, they would kill Abraham and then take his wife. But if she's his uh, sister, and she was his half-sister, by the way. Yeah. But if they say, this is my sister, they're not going to kill the brother of this woman who they want to take. I mean, they still want to take her either way, I guess. Uh, I think it mentioned know. somewhere, I don't know, previously or here, that she was a very beautiful woman. Yeah, yeah. So Even it's... Even at uh, this age that she's at, like, we know she's like 100 almost or close to it. Back then, I guess back then they were, uh, you know, but she dies pretty soon in, in the story, but... Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, so I but you know as as we'd mentioned before they this kind of story happens quite a few times in Genesis and also in the Old Testament. So um you know maybe that's just something people did back then. We got remember this is like 4000 years ago in a totally different culture. This probably was something that the uh, original audience would understand. It's like, "Oh yeah, the people do that, you know. People yeah, will kind of standing over his sister to go marry somebody else. Isn't that what he's trying to do there? Because he's like, I, I don't want to be killed. So here, pretend to be my sister. But then he's giving her to another man to be his wife. Was he just going to accept that? He, I don't know. It's a cultural <laughs> thing. You know, it's like pimping around. See, this stuff doesn't happen to us these days, right? Nobody says their wife is their sister anymore. Like, that doesn't happen at all these days. At least to us, maybe in oh, some countries that. they do that. But um, so, well, I think the point is that either way, he would have taken Sarah. This guy would have taken Sarah. So, it, uh, yeah, like like I said, yeah, you know, there there was the, the risk that they would just kill because they're they're traveling. Like it's like they're foreigners wandering, and they really have no rights. You know, there's no legal protection to them. So, um, I guess it was like they're stuck in a rock between a rock and a hard place. Either way, this guy's going to take Sarah either by killing Abraham and taking her or by saying that she's his sister and then she'll, yeah. he'll, it sounds like either way, although it's kind of strange. It is very strange because Abraham was this great warrior who just fought a battle. Yeah. He didn't he and, win uh, like with nine Kings, you know, like he won them all. Yeah. Well, he had a, you know, he had a large, he was wealthy. He had lots of people. Uh, in his, in his, 18 guys last time. Yeah. So, so what uh, prevented him from 
I mean, a lot. there's a lot of scholars out there who would say that, because you remember back in chapter 12, he did the same thing when he went yeah. to Egypt. And um, and then it happens with Isaac and some other people in the in Genesis. The same exact thing happens again. And there's there's scholar there's scholars out there who don't really believe the Bible that much, you know. And so they would say, well, it's one like one story that they you know they repeated a few times. It didn't actually happen, but yeah, you know. But you know, we don't want to be like that. There 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 are scholars who believe a lot of the stuff in the Bible didn't actually happen, but. Uh, but there's a lot of scholars who do believe this stuff happened. So I would assume this stuff actually happened and it happened again here. This is the second time they're doing it. And I think it's just something they did back then. Like it, like to us, it's so strange, just like a lot of stuff in the Bible is really strange to us. But 4,000 years ago, you know, the totally different society, different laws that people maybe didn't have so much protection back then. They, they had to use their cunning, you know, to uh, survive. I can believe all of that stuff, but he, he actually talked to God and he had promises. Like, I don't get any of those stuff. So this man is not only a warrior, he's wealthy, he's got a beautiful wife, he's got God talking to him, and <laughs> all his available armies that he can gather. So, like, by the time we've already went through the first 19 chapters, this is just a little bit kind of wimpyish for him to just say, hey, go ahead, sleep with me. Yeah. Maybe maybe the point is talking about God. Maybe it's not so much about Abraham. Because if you look, uh, so God, go back up to verse 3 a little bit. Um, so God came to Abimelech in a dream, right? Mm-hmm. And remember, Abraham's not the real hero. He's kind of a participant, and he has faith and all that stuff. But God is the real hero, I think, of, of this whole Especially yeah, the book of Genesis, the whole Bible, you know, the, the, but especially the book of Genesis, these people are, um, people are not perfect, you know, so this could be an example. I mean, it doesn't really say, I don't know that it says, like, does the Bible itself give a moral stance of this uh, story that this is good or bad of him to do that? I don't know that it I think really says either way. He does, because okay. he doesn't want to we'll defile Abraham's wife, but it's a promise, like another story of him where people get into trouble and then he delivers them. Because like later on, you know, there's a curse upon him, but then he lifts his, all this. So like he saves his entire household and gives him more children and all this other stuff too. This is kind of like another promise, but we'll get there towards the end. And also it's God. See, God is protecting Sarah here. Yeah. God came to this guy in a dream and said, you're a dead man. Like God is like, I'm going to kill you. because you took this woman she is a man's wife so god set the matter straight god told the truth right right? so it's like why him and not abraham because yeah anything it could be uh it could be abraham making a a bit of a mistake there you know it's quite possible um it's it's one of the you know sometimes it's uh maybe it's something that we're supposed to kind of meditate on and ponder you know, well, let's um, wonder because I I always thought that God should have reprimanded Abraham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Punishing this guy here because he does get cursed and then released. Yeah, because it's basically adultery, right? So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, interesting. All right, so Abimelech had not gone near her, and he said, "The Lord, will you slay a righteous nation? Did he not say to me, she is my sister?'" And did not even she herself say, he is my brother. 
in the integrity of my heart and innocence of my hands, I have done this. Yeah, so the guy didn't know, right? He's not really to blame. And he didn't really go go near her yet. He didn't really do anything wrong yet, I guess. Yeah. And, and God said to him, even, even if he slept with her, he still would not have known until somebody told yeah, him. Yeah, but God knew. See, God knows the truth. So, they're, yeah, Abraham and his wife, they're being a bit deceptive here. And this guy's kind of uh, caught in the middle of it all. But God goes to him. So now he comes back again. So God said to him in a dream, yes, I know that you did this in the integrity of your heart. For I also kept you from sinning against me. Uh, yeah, sinning against God, right? Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Ah, oh, look at that. God's yeah. in control. Yeah. Therefore, return the man's wife, for he is a prophet. Ah, that very interesting right there. I was just reading about this yesterday. Abraham is called a prophet right here. Yeah. By God. This is God speaking, right? Uh -huh. Ab so Abraham is a prophet. We don't always think of him as a prophet. So what do you um, think the definition of a prophet would be? Oh, yeah. Well, context? there, there's, yeah, well, I, yeah, I just covered this in my class. There's, um, there's a kind of a divine calling. Mm -hmm. And that, that happens with Abraham. Like God calls out to them, you know, they're just walking down the street one day and God, you know, zaps them. But uh, sometimes they're chosen at birth. You know, look at the uh, next thing. He's a prophet, and he will he pray, for, pray you. for you. So he has yeah, prophets pray. The prophet is the voice, is the mouth of God on earth, basically yeah. the mouth of God. And they were higher ranking than kings in God's kingdom. They, they, the, the kings are prophets choose the king, like uh, Samuel chose. Uh, well, he kind of chose Saul, but then he really chose David, and um, they anoint kings. And they're basically God's mouthpiece on earth, and the kings are supposed to obey the prophet. But they did not, obviously. Um, kings want to have their own power, right? They're supposed to check the power of the king. The prophet is the voice of God here on earth. And nobody, and they're not popular because nobody wants to hear the truth. They speak the truth. They, they speak the word of God. And um, although Abraham kind of lied here, didn't he? <laughs> well, it shows that one of these weird things, you know can do bad things but that they still have a calling by god because moses murdered somebody yeah yeah moses was a prophet yeah yeah um, and but God, uh, more than gave, that you know he killed somebody and yeah he was called by god i think the sin and their role are not too connected other than the fact that i mean they're not like pure. yeah yeah, if they're human, they're capable of sin, you know. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, people are supposed to listen to these people, and and uh, so there's you know, and then there's also false prophets. Oh yeah, something you hear in the the new the New Testament warns a lot, in the Old Testament they warn about the false prophets a lot as well. So all you have and to do is search one word, and you'll find a dozen. Just watch on just watch a YouTube video. Yeah. <laughs> 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 or uh, you know. Oh. All right, so uh, prophet, and he will pray for you, okay? He will pray for you. Moreover, see, but this is God speaking, right? So uh, moreover, you will live. However, if you do not return her, know that you will surely die, you and all who are yours. This, so this is God's view of adultery as well. Yeah. Because no, adultery, you know, you're just messing up uh, everyone's life, you know? and uh, There is an important line here um, that it's a clue. That kept you from sinning against mm. me, which means whatever he was about to do would have defiled himself against, like sin against God, not him. 
I wonder if, if it's just, you know, just a general sense that you're going to sin and you're sinning against me, or is it also you're going to, uh, you know, take away this this guy's wife? Because Isaac hasn't been born yet. Yeah. Right? So it's like this woman, this, see, this woman, the barren woman, is the key to this great nation he's, he's promised to create, uh, promised to give to Abraham, all these descendants. So this woman, Sarah, is not just some woman. She's the promised mother, really, right? She's like the new so, Eve, you know? Kinda. Yeah, exactly, 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 yeah. Yeah, she's I the new Eve. So this is a special woman, yeah. Sin against God. I think it is implying that all sin is ultimately sin against God. Yeah, but also, but also he's got this promise that yeah. involves her. She's a key player. She's like the the lead actress in the movie yeah. at this point, and uh, you can't kill her off yet. You know, you can't marry her or off even, to some other clan. Yeah, she's got a destiny. Been, her womb would have been defiled had he done something with her. Like the yeah. promise is that he was going to open up her womb to have Isaac because she was barren, right? So had he done something with her, that would have been only adultery, but would it kind of mess with that whole plan of what's going to happen? Yeah, but adultery, I guess ad adultery is considered a sin against God as yeah, well. Just like you said, all sin is. All sin really is, right? Yeah. Is it um, part of the Ten Commandments? It is adultery, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and also I think God is intervening here. You know, to to like God is intervening because He's the one who's going to make sure uh, Sarah has this this uh, child. Yeah. So and even though you know, the, despite yeah. Abraham's best efforts to mess up the the whole history of the world, God <laughs> is <laughs> God's going to make sure it happens. You know. Yeah. Well, that's good. I'm glad we got here. All right. Eight. So Abimelech rose early in the morning and called all his servants and told them all these things. And the men were very afraid. Then Abimelech called Abraham and said to him, what have you done to us? Have I, how have I offended you that you would bring on me and on my kingdom a great sin? You have done things to me that should not have been done. Then Abimelech said to Abraham, what were you thinking of that you did this thing? <laughs> yeah. Wow. So Abraham, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it really could have messed things up. He's, he's trying to mess up world history, really. Um, Abraham said, because I thought, surely there's no fear of God in this place, and they will slay me because of my wife. Still, indeed, she is my sister. She is the daughter of my father, but not the daughter of my mother. And that is true, actually. So they're half-sisters. Yeah. She became my wife. When God caused me to travel from my father's house, I said to her, this is your kindness, which you must show me every place where we go. Say, say concerning me, he is my brother. So they must have said this to many people, in fact. Like that was their whole thing. Yeah. Like that was their, when they traveled, they, uh, that was their uh, story to everybody, it sounds like, right? And, and she was, but she was, it is part, it's partly true though. Yeah, but. Right? Partly true. Half-sister. Kind of implying that if he told people the truth that he was her husband, that they would be more enticed to take her. Be like it's kind of weird. Normally, if you say yeah. like you're married, other people are not looking at them. Well, the that's these days. These days, we don't know. Back then, maybe that was normal that people killed the husbands and took the wife. You know, maybe oh, that was a yeah. thing back then. This is. I mean, this was you know the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. 
Yeah. There wasn't really much law in the land. These were uh, fairly evil nations. They were li they were living in Canaan. You know, these people sacrificed their children, and uh, you and know, God hasn't given out his Ten Commandments yet either. They, they were godless people, the Canaanites. Right. Like there's no there's no Israelites around. There's no there's no law. There's no uh, justice really. So kind of like know, although this guy. Yeah, although this guy here, Abimelech, he doesn't sound like he's so bad, but but Abraham doesn't know, right? He doesn't trust yeah. anybody, it sounds Abraham doesn't trust any of these people. He's in a foreign land, and they don't want him there, you know? So, uh, so kind of everybody was doing what they thought was right in their own way, and then God happened. Uh, so nobody exactly. would Exactly. Say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was kind of a lawless, it was like the Wild West, you know? Yeah. Um, and we, we almost see this kind of thing happening in like the Western movies. They kind of do this kind of stuff. No. So, but it was a it was a half truth. It was partially true. So they could have chosen. Let's say, should we say you're my wife or my sister? We could, you know, they're both kind of true. So they yeah. just chose a story to try to survive. And maybe it was wrong, but they did it anyway. You know. Um, well, I so, don't know if it would be wrong if it's in the context of the Wild Wild West. You know, yeah, I mean, that's what it sounds like. It sounds like it was a fairly dangerous uh, place. I mean, as a Canaan, right? I mean, God, th these Canaanites were evil people, and they were Rephaim. They were descendants yeah. of the Nephilim. Not everybody, maybe, but a lot of these people. Because God and, never uh, blamed Abraham for all of this. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It seems like they were all just trying to do the right thing. Although maybe they could have asked God, like, hey, what should we say? How should we do this? But, uh, mm -hmm. you know, it could be an example of him trying to do things his own way. You know, it's a rebellious, like, like we we're talking about before, the, the, the inherent rebellion inside of us. Yeah. You know, we don't always trust God. Even if we believe in God, we don't always trust God. We're always trying to figure things out ourselves and have our own plan. Because we think we know better than, like, oh, God God doesn't know what's going on, so I have to take matters into my own hand. You know, so, um, you know. Yeah, and life keeps moving at a fast pace. So it's like, yeah. which decisions do you wait for God's answer, you know? Yeah, yeah. Sometimes time. he's like taking a shortcut, right? A little moral yeah. shortcut. Oh, I'll just tell this little white lie. Not a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> no. It'll be easier that way. Yeah. yeah, so it was easier until God said no. But He God intervened. This was going to yeah. cause adultery, though, right? That has to be no. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the point. God intervened to set the matter straight, right? Mm -hmm. So even these people were not, you know, didn't know what they didn't do the right thing necessarily. Um, so then Abimelech took sheep, oxen, and male and female servants and gave them to Abraham, and returned his his wife, Sarah, to him, Abimelech said, my land is before you, settle wherever it pleases you. Almost sounds like he's a little afraid of Abraham now. He's like, you know, because he's like God's prophet. Yeah. So, well, this is an important guy. I better be nice to him. I'm kind of, uh, you know, this God told him he's going to, God gave him a death threat, essentially. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, so, how, it doesn't get any more clear. Like, you're going to die. <laughs> no, you will surely die. Yeah. yeah. So um, to Sarah, he said, I've given your brother a thousand shekels of silver. It is a sign. There's another sign, right? Lots of signs, even so far. It's a sign of your innocence in the eyes of all who are with you and before everyone you are vindicated. Yeah. So it sounds like he didn't mess around with Sarah. 
according to this. Uh, so Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech, his wife, and his female servants. Wait, what did he uh, harm them before this? Did I miss that? No, it never said. He healed them. Why did he heal yeah. them? What was wrong I with think them? Must have he been put a curse. He probably gave them a little plague. Yeah, he gave them a little fine, pestilence. Yeah, little pestilence. <laughs> and they, and they got children out of this too. And uh, see, he healed them, and then they bore children. For the Lord had closed up. Oh, here it is, right here. For the Lord had closed up all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham, Abraham's wife. Wow. It's amazing what God can do, right? Yeah. He has power over who gives birth or who doesn't, really, right? So did this take some amount of time? Like, how would they have known that they were cursed not to have children? Yeah, I mean, we were, I guess we're not told how much time this took. doesn't sound like it was that much time, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Well, this is one yeah. of his promises for sure, like sin and redemption. It's, you know, follows well, his path. You know, it's interesting too, is that, yeah, exactly. And um, I was just going to say the, um, they closed up the wombs. There's people today who are trying to sterilize the human race, right? Yeah. God yeah. sterilized these people essentially, but there's people now trying to play God, right? So they're, they're always trying to imitate God. Well, that's the thing when they want to make their own gods, Satan already has a plan, you know, to, I think it's actually Satan who's mimicking exactly word for word, but in his like a opposite mirror. In an evil way, yeah, yeah. his own evil way, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, if God, if God can decide these people will not reproduce, then Satan's like, hey, I want to try yeah, that too. Exactly. I can do that, well, but he uses anything. technology. Yep, mass media deception, technology. <laughs> Imagine, you know, when they perfect it, they're going to be able to say who has children and who doesn't. You know, like most of the movies, futuristic ones, it's always planned out. I, I think there was another movie. The Brave New World is yeah. kind of the template of that. Yeah. yeah uh, there's exactly. a movie called Giver. It's on Netflix, which I've seen it uh, before. But the whole I've idea is that they raise the babies in incubator type, like no mother, no father. So somehow they're genetically engineered anyway. They decide which of the babies also die. So like if, the baby's not healthy enough, or or if they have too many, they were actually sending. Or if they have twins, they took one and gave it away to, and they didn't even have their own parents. It was to whoever that they. Yeah, wanted. no, that's Brave New World exactly. Yeah. That's that they're just. It's a new spin on the Brave New World. It sounds like you know, in the Brave New World, they were like, like the word mother and father were bad words. Those yeah. are like considered to be vulgar words. You're not supposed to say those words. They're bad words. You know, and, they actually uh, uh, started rewriting everything. They did that. They're doing that now. No, we're living yeah. in this now. We're in the early, we're in, we're in the middle of this. And, uh, they, I think they call, they call mothers like, um, or no, women are now called like egg producers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Readers>. <laughs> yeah. So that, you know, how horrible that is for babies. Not that, you know, their first words, like usually mama and dada, right? So imagine, yeah, like, they chose our names, not the other way around. So imagine. Well, them. now the state, the state is going to be mama and daddy, daddy, yeah. and the state, and the children. They'll be, uh, yeah, yeah. That's in you know you see uh, Satan uh, as expressed through Egypt. You know there was a bit of genocide going on there with yeah. with Moses, right, trying to kill all the babies, and with Jesus, they try to kill all the babies. 
And yeah, they're trying to control, you know, they're trying to play God. God's in control of fertility and population, really, ultimately. And so they're trying to take on that role. They want to be God and they're using technology and mass media deception and they want to, uh, they want to be God, you know, and, uh, yeah. but they don't have, they don't have the heart of God. They don't have God's morality. And also in this chapter 22 or wait, no chapter 20, we just read chapter 20. Um, we, we learned a, a lot about God, I think as well, you know, he's kind of strict, right? Comes in, Hey, I'm going to kill you. If you sleep with this woman, basically, if you commit adultery, you're breaking my law yeah. and you will die. I mean, it's pretty strict. God is pretty, uh, pretty hardcore sometimes and uh, kills people. God kills people, you know, quite a bit in the Old Testament. Um, well, I always thought that the Old Testament, the judgment was immediate, like whatever. Yeah, the, yeah, that's it, what it was. It, yeah. And, and But the future judgment is going to be the same, yeah. you know. It's that it's hardcore. time where things have seemed so soft, like people think that they're yeah. not and no, he's not going to judge you. Like the, you know, the ending of the movie Barbie, where they were doing. Well, I never saw it. Wait, I never saw the movie. No, just your Spoiler video. Alert. In your video, you did. Oh, my video. <laughs> yeah. Where that rainbow and she was pointing to the rainbow. Remember that? Oh, yeah. 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 It's like, yeah, you're not going to wipe us out. We're going to do whatever right. we want. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What a, what a sick world. Now, I came across this verse the other day. It was like, the, I think it said something like that. The heart is sick. The human yeah. heart is sick and it is, you know? Well, it's, it's <laughs> fallen and disease. I mean, honestly, it's, if you don't have the spirit of God in you, then there is nothing. There's no self-control to whatever imagination that you might have. It's exactly. Because of God. Yeah can try to have self-control you know as part of your fruits and gifts that we're given i think one of them is that you got to have self-control and how yeah we, well actually paul says uh he says uh, not to get too graphic here but he says you have to control your member which he's talking about the male parts you know for men especially you know you got to control yourself control your body basically is what he's saying control yeah. your bodies you know and control guess what? over your bodies. All that pride stuff, it even gets worse than it already was. Now they're full blown naked. The men, like that's part of their Ooh. and then they interview like in the Pride Parade is in Canada and stuff. So they started interviewing people around that were watching all this, and most of them were okay with it. They didn't care. And the fact that, you know, there's children in these, they brought yeah. children to all this stuff. So Self-control is like, I think that's what I'm noticing, that the more people are doing whatever they want, and they think they're not harming anybody, and it's just them, but that they're losing that self-control to how they act and behave in public. So imagine what it is, you know, when they're at home, too. Well, that's the culture they want to create, you know, they want to create this uh, lawless godless right. world you know where that's normal and then if you go against that you're abnormal and you'll be ostracized ostracized and persecuted and so, which yeah. is kind of what we're living in now yeah yeah even having in intelligent conversations about some of this stuff it's amazing what the feedback that i get like they don't get it you know just no, on no. simple topics like killing babies you know it's it's somehow normal for a lot of them you know it's not normal. I, uh, yeah. I really think people are incapable of seeing the truth. 
You know, they pro people have been programmed to us to live in this fantasy world, and they're just not capable of recognizing the truth. Or they, they, you know, people are delusional. Yeah, um, I mean, it's it's not yeah. even just committing actual abortion that people know. You know, when women go in to get it, but now they've sophisticated level of harvesting embryos at conception and. Uh, having to kill it so they can get stem cells at conception within hours, not like, so they're just killing yeah. and babies and buying baby parts. And I probably shouldn't go too much into that, but you got yeah. all the evils of all of that stuff, you know, and it's, it's, it's so accelerated that it's, it's not even talked about in the Bible as much as what we're actually having to endure right now. Well, you used a good word there, harvest. There, there's this, what's that movie? It's, it has the word Jupiter in it. I think it's, um, but there's like, like these, they're basically like, uh, divine beings, you know, the angels or something, but they're talking yeah. about they're harvesting humans. Yeah. You know, um, for whatever to, you know, so yeah, they're absolutely, they treat us like farm animals, you know, <laughs> we're a resource. And and they're gonna they're gonna use I mean not to get too scary or whatever but you know they they're gonna they probably do already they have uh, you ever see that movie the island yeah <laughs> that's that's really <laughs> the first hour of that is some of the most dystopian science fiction uh, ever ever made really and uh, they're basically gonna harvest people and use them for spare body parts and stuff like that I think they're doing oh, yeah the whole already. movie Matrix. When it came out, like, I, I don't know, late 90s or whatever. Oh, The Matrix. That whole movie, now looking back, is all based on harvesting humans for batteries. And then they live in this batteries. world. Yeah. yeah. Just yeah. so they can be, you know, duped into yeah. living. Yeah, yeah. They're getting some kind of power from it or something, right? Maybe it's the blood. They're, they're uh, as if, like, if you think of the demons coming to Earth, they need a body, they need blood, they need all these things. So, uh, yeah. I think yeah. the and, and, has a lot to do with it. And you hear the same kind of stories with these alien abduction, uh, you know, stories. Oh, but now you're reminding stuff. me of something, so I guess I'll cover it. No more cats in the room. Uh, catless now. You're like yeah. the cat man instead of like the cat lady. I am, yeah. Although, yeah, I guess my wife's the cat lady. <laughs> <laughs> cats are cool, though. See, like a lot of them, I, I actually have a YouTube channel with my cats, cats, and they I show them uh, in their predatory nature as well. So <laughs> they, um, like 75% of the audiences are men, actually, because they, they like to see, we like to see animals hunting, you know what I mean? So, so you uh, have a YouTube channel, your own YouTube channel about with my cats. There, it's only the cats. It's not me at all. Yeah, oh, I don't talk. It's that. just my cats. But they're they're like uh, it's you know it's pretty intense. It's too much for some people. They you know it's uh, pretty violent sometimes. Mm -hmm. I'm showing them you know what they do. They just they go outside and they take home animals and they they're predators. They're perfect killing machines. Oh, so yeah. like everyone thinks, oh, cats are so cute. It's like well, they, these are killing machines. <laughs> And so, like you know, so I so I have like a, a largely male audience on my YouTube channel who you know we enjoy for some strange reason. I don't know if we enjoy it, but we're kind of fascinated by you know <laughs> animals, predators, and animals hunting and all that stuff. That's something that we uh, we What's like the name to watch. Of your channel? Well, I won't mention it here because uh, they'll ban me or something. They don't like me. YouTube, I'm I not, know. YouTube doesn't like me. So we got to do to this guy. 
Well, he doesn't like me either, but we're kind of pacified at the moment. They'll probably cancel my uh, my cat channel at some point. Oh no! For whatever reason, the cat the cats will be canceled. Even 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 <laughs> the cats will be canceled. Because they're Christian cats, so maybe. Yeah, yeah, and, and they they kill animals. You know, it's bad. You can't kill animals. A animals cannot kill other animals anymore. That's illegal. Yeah, let them know that. <laughs> or if they do, you're not supposed to film it, I guess. You know, as long yeah. as you don't film it, it's okay. Yeah, I don't think you can film it. <laughs> you know what happens to those people that filmed it, like the baby park guy? He's the one yeah. who got in trouble. All right, let's focus. All right. Genesis All right. Isaac. All right, so the Lord visited uh, Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the set time that God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. Then Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Now Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. She's hmm. 100. How old was she? The Lord. It's interesting. The Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. Yeah. So what did the Lord do to Sarah? Open her womb. Open the womb. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. He did so, it was this is not a divine what do you call that? This is not an immaculate con conception. No. This is uh God just opened the womb. So this is not Isaac is not like a little Jesus. No. All right. We just got to make that clear. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Good. No, he kind of shows us throughout the story and others that he's in charge of the womb for the women that he allows that to happen. But in recent times, and this is what I wondered, because I know that God is in control of who is not only opening the womb, but he makes us in the womb, you know, like he's part of that plan. Mm -hmm. Wow. But yeah, yeah. Then there's a story that came up, I think probably three, four years ago or, or maybe earlier where this woman had seven babies and she would kill every single one of them. You mean like after they were born? Yeah. So, like Why? I don't know, but she's a serial mother, you know, child. And then like, like she got away with it for a while yep. and they caught her. Yeah. For Why would God open up her womb seven times after? Cause well, was it closed? I mean, God, well, that's the thing. Did, did, are the wombs naturally open from the beginning or does God open them up at some point or are they closed in the beginning? You know what I mean? Maybe it just was, it was never closed. Fertile. Well, obviously, I mean, suffering, you know, people get, die and, you know, suffering happens in this world. So God never really promised to stop murder from happening or anything like that. These things do happen, right? Um, yeah, but, Okay. I don't know why. It's showing me that God is in control of opening and closing wombs. That's kind of what I'm learning so far. But does he do it to every woman? This this Sarah is a special woman. Sarah has a special role to play in salvation yeah. history, but not every woman does. You know, not every woman is going to, you know, Jesus is kind of the chosen, you know, the, the, the offspring, the offspring of Abraham and his wife are very important uh, concepts in the Bible. Um, but not every woman has this promised seed lineage, you know what I mean? So, uh, what I'm kind of learning is that know. people are already fertile, the ones that are, and they get to have kids, whether they're good or bad, and what they do with them. Yeah. 
here in these stories, he's picking certain people that he's involved with. Yeah. Yeah, he really chose Abraham. It's not like he chose Sarah, but Sarah's kind of the package deal, I guess, you know. Um, Abraham's declared righteous by his faith. I don't think it says he declared Sarah righteous by her faith, but she's going along with it, though. I don't know. But he's blessing her womb that will have all these descendants. And there's a few, yeah, like like uh, uh, Samuel's mother, uh, Hannah, was... Uh, the same thing. There's a lot of barren women whose wombs were opened by God in the Old Testament. Yeah. Mary, uh, you know, was the virgin birth, right? So that's that's like going one step further. There were there were no other virgin births. That's the only virgin birth. Right. But these the but he does this uh, barren woman kind of birth. He opens their womb. And I, and I, before I mention it, I think this is maybe this is going too far. But I almost think of the barren womb as like an abyss. It's a lifeless place. It's a place void of life, cannot create life. But then God overcomes that abyss and creates life, just like in, in Genesis way, 1, you know? There is a Genesis passage one. later on that says, blessed be the barren women who never had any children. It is a curse. Yeah, yeah. Yes, it's not a curse. Well, in, in this case, yeah. I mean, he opens certain wombs for a certain purpose to establish yeah. his kingdom. He doesn't open every woman's womb in the world. Nope. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, right. well, but yeah. Wow. Where are we at? S uh, six. Yeah. And Sarah said, God has made, God has made me laugh. All who hear will laugh with me. Also, she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I born him a son in his old age. Wow. Yeah. Doesn't the name Isaac may, mean uh, laughter or something? Um, or am I getting that mixed I see up? That somewhere here. Yeah, I think so. I think they said that before because they already it was already prophesied that his name would be Isaac. They they always explain these names a lot in the uh, in Genesis. But uh, anyway, we can keep going. It's fine. Um, so the child grew and was weaned. Then Abraham made a great feast the same day that Isaac was weaned. Sarah saw that saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had born to Abraham, mocking. Therefore, she said to Abraham, throw out the slave woman and her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not be heir with my son Isaac. This matter was very displeasing in Abraham's sight because of his son. But God said to Abraham, do not be upset concerning the boy and your slave wife. Whatever Sarah has said to you, listen to what she says. For in Isaac your descendants will be called. Yet I will also make a nation of the son of the slave woman, because he is your offspring. So Abraham rose up early in the morning. You want to, do you have a comment there? I was just thinking he was blessing Ishmael despite yeah. him. Because he was his offering. Yeah, he's not really part of the chosen seed to bring about the kingdom of God necessarily, but uh, it's kind of like uh, Cain and Abel, right? Cain, Cain was kind of like sent off, and uh, you do Cain see that. Where they evil, uh, where I well, yeah, choice. you know, like he didn't. Yeah, do it's yeah, yeah. It's not exactly the same, but it's. Uh, I mean, similar. They're kind of like sent off, though. They're sent off. They're not part of the chosen. Yeah. Uh, they're not the main characters, you know. But he, God did make a point. Children born out of the slave wife would not inherit the same rights. Throw out this yeah. woman and her son 
Not the air. Yeah. Yeah, not the air. Yeah, yeah. Why do you think he's doing that? I mean, I I get his reasons, but... Well, God is establishing a kingdom from this guy, Abraham, and... uh, you know, he's 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 starting from scratch, really. It's like that Abraham's like a new Adam. They're yeah. like Adam and Eve, really. Yeah, like you said uh, before, Adam and Eve, and they're uh, and then this is you know Isaac and Ishmael are kind of like Cain and Abel, kind of like you know not exactly, but uh, yeah, I think and, well and it was, later on, you know, it does. It didn't say in the past that many nations will come against him, and he against many nations, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're told later on. Yeah, yeah. And there was some, and there's there's some New Testament commentary on Ishmael as well. But uh, we can talk about that later. Uh, so Abraham rose up early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and gave it to Hagar, put it on her shoulder and sent her away with the child. <laughs> so she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. <laughs> so it's just like, oh, here's some water. Off you go. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of cruel, right? Well, it's, you know, it's funny that it's kind of mimicking the first time where she ran away and he said, no, go back to Sarah. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. oh, no, we're done with you. Go, go on your way. Yeah. When the water in the skin was gone, she placed the child under one of the shrubs. Then she went and sat down across from him at a distance of about a bow shot. For she said to herself, let me not see the death of the child. She sat across from him and lifted up her voice and wept. And God heard the boy's voice. Then the angel of God, there's the angel of God again, called to Hagar out of heaven and said to her, what is the matter with you, Hagar? Do not be afraid, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Arise, pick up the boy and hold him in your hands, for I will make him a great nation. Right, same similar promise uh, given to. Remember the very first time when she ran away, the angel when he came to her, uh, didn't he make a promise to her then? Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, it's repeating the promise. Yeah. Uh, then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water, and she and she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. That's interesting. So so she thought they were going to die of thirst. Yeah. And she didn't see this well of water there? Or or did God just, was this like some miracle? You know what I mean? Miracle. I think he put that well of water he there. Put the, yeah, maybe. God opened her eyes. She couldn't see it before that, whether it was there or not. But now she could see it because God opened her eyes. And kind of yeah. led her to it. Um, I think this will be important for future when people are going through tribulation. Things are not going to be obvious until God gives them food and water and shelter as needed, right? Because these guys thought they were going to die, and then the water suddenly appears. So I think that's going to be the same kind of thing that's going to happen in the future, too, when we're out and scattered everywhere. Yeah, yeah. And um, where am I at? 1920. 20. So God was with the boy, and he grew and lived in the wilderness and became an archer. He lived in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother found a wife for him out of the land of Egypt. So God, so God was with the boy. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's like, I guess these people kind of have a role to play as well, right? But not, not the. They're not the. Um, you could call it if you call it the chosen seed or whatever. They're they're, they're kind of um, you know they're not they're necessarily the chosen seed, but God is still you know taking care of uh, the world, really. You know. Yeah, this is another God's- story of 
sin that leads to destruction, but he turns it around and gives them a promise because out of Ishmael, many nations were going to come through him. It's kind of giving him some status along with his future with, you know, that part of the world that he was in charge of. So it's another redemption story even here. Yeah, and he's the God of all the nations, really, ultimately. Even though, um, even though he didn't really work directly with these other Canaanite nations, but that's that's the the, the that's the plan. The long term plan is to be the god of everyone on earth. Um, all right. So twenty two. Now it came to pass that the time that Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, spoke to Abraham, saying, "God is with you in all that you do. Now therefore swear to me by God that you will not deal deceitful deceitfully with me." Or with my children or with my descendants. Instead, according to the kindness that I've shown to you, you will show, show to me and to the land where you have lived. Uh, Abraham said, I will swear. Then Abraham complained to Abimelech about a well of water that Abimelech's servant, servants had violently seized. And Abimelech said, I do not know who has done this. You did not tell me, and I have not heard of it until today. So uh, Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them to Abimelech, and the two of them made a covenant. Then Abraham set seven ewe lambs of the flock by themselves, and Abimelech said to Abraham, What is the meaning of these seven ewe lambs that you have sent set by themselves? And he said, You shall take these seven ewe lambs from my hand, so that they may be a witness that I have dug this well. Therefore he called that place Beersheba, because the two of them swore an oath there. Thus they made a covenant at Beersheba. Then Abimelech rose with Phicol, the commander of his army, and they returned to the land of the Philistines. Abraham planted a tamarack tree in Beersheba, and there he called on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. Abraham stayed in the land of the Philistines. Many days. Verse 34. Wow. So what is going on? <laughs> well, they made a covenant, kind of like God and Abraham made a covenant, right? Yeah. An oath. There's like a promise and an oath. So it's like they signed it. It's basically they signed a treaty, an official law, uh, a legal document. But, it, you know, they, they didn't really sign these things on paper back then. So they did things in other ways. They probably had some kind of ritual. I don't think it's... Well, it, it, they said it's a sign. There's always a sign of a covenant, right? So with the sign is those lambs, you know? What were they trying to do? Just separate from each other? There's something about this well in the water. They were fighting um, over the well because then they say... Yeah. That they had something violent. That I, I dug... Like Abraham saying, this is my well. Yeah. And I dug it. I this is really my well and we you know I'm I'm promise you, you know, I'm telling the truth here. And then uh sounds like the other guy just kind of went away. Um, it's like uh his servants violently seized the the well from him, right? Is that Yeah. Yeah, there is kind of a, a little uh you know, they're they're fighting over land and resources. Yeah. Water. And then it's interesting too. At the end, the thirty-three, he planted a tree and called there on the name of. Uh, now I think this is. Let's, let me see here. It's Yahweh El 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 Olam. Olam. You mean the name of Yahweh the El Olam in Hebrew? Yeah, Yahweh El Olam. That's what he's the Lord, the everlasting God. God. It's kind of a new. I think that's the first time they use that term for God there, the everlasting God. 
Uh, maybe maybe the tree was like a they lived a long time. Maybe that's what it was, right? The everlasting God, and I'm going to plant this tree that lives a long time. That's kind of a. What it looks like it's probably what it looked looked like in the desert where they were. Yeah, it's kind of a cool looking tree. Yeah, like tree of life. It looks like it would live a long time. Um, so he's in the land of the Philistines now. <clears throat> And the Philistines were, uh, a lot of them were considered to be Rephaim, descendants of the Nephilim. So he's in hostile territory. Yeah, that's a pretty tree. You could look like that. Yahweh El Olam, like a tree in the desert. Yeah. Okay, well, I'll look that up later. So we're at 22 now, the sacrifice of Isaac. Wow, yes. All right. After these things, God tested, oh, God tested Abraham. See, there's testing. I, I've noticed that theme a lot just in the last few months. You know that uh, we, you know, I think I think we are tested quite a bit. Yeah, in God, and it's all over the Bible. You could like if you, I mean, I don't know if you want to do it now or not, but you could do a word search sometime on the Bible and test, and you're going to see a theme. It's very interesting. How many results? Uh, Two hundred and forty-five results. So it's it's so it's all over the Bible. Um, so you're all, yeah. So, but you're going to see God tests people. We're not supposed to test God, but God will test us. Maybe if you, if you see something that stands out. Yeah. So throughout, even I think through Revelation, he's still doing that. Right here. Right, there's one in Exodus. God has come to test you. Yeah. To see whether you will follow his commandments or not. Right. So that's what things get difficult for us. It could be, you know, God's testing and, and our faith has to increase to match the uh, difficulties, you know? Yeah. So. But it's, you know, it does get harder and harder. And you wonder, like, sometimes <laughs> you can't really see that it's a test. So you kind of almost have to. No. First. And we don't like it. Like James says, consider it a joy when you face many trials and tribulations. It's like, no, I'm not feeling that right now. I'm <laughs> I don't like this, you know. Mm -hmm. Like in the when it starts out, we don't like it, but then eventually when we get through it, we can look back and say, Ah, I get it now. Yeah. You know. Um and always, at the time. Yeah. Yeah. At the time we don't it's like we just complain and it's like, oh, this sucks. like like the guys in the Exodus after you know 40 years. In the desert, complaining after God just rescued them. Oh yeah, you know, I think I'm probably one of them. <laughs> to test them, the whole thing in the in the desert for forty years that was yeah, the it test. was only going to take them like three days had they not complained. And then and it kind of brings us back to that topic, which this chapter twenty two we're going to talk about this again, the topic of uh, faith and works or faith and obedience. You know, there's a connection there. They're not they're they're connected directly. You know, they're not. Because like, because <clears throat> the reformers looked at those two things as being opposite, and faith is good, works are bad. That's almost what it's kind of a misunderstanding people have, I think. Um, but they, they go to hand in hand. They go hand in hand. They have two sides of the same coin. Kind of like know. peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right. All right. So after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. <laughs> And he said, here I am. Then he said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, even though he had two sons. <laughs> no, wait a minute. Hold on. Now, this is the, I think this is, um, oh, sorry. Anyway, it's one of the, you know, how they say Jesus was God's only son and all that oh, stuff. Yeah. So it's kind of important terminology there. But take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. And offer him there as a burnt offering 
on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. You, and, and you, you think he said only son because they already sent away Ishmael? Yeah, his only legal, his only son that's going to legally be his heir. That's probably what he means, you know. Remember, this is 4,000 years ago, and that was like your legally, you know, your, your, your son that is also your heir, the promised son through whom I will work out salvation history. And uh, now, see, this is not just another boy, though. This is not just a father. Yeah, it is, it is a father told to kill his son, but this, this is the promised son who's going to bring about this great kingdom as well. So, you know, it's part of the test as well. It's like, wait a minute, you promised me I'll be the father of many nations, and now you're telling me to kill this, the child. How is that going to happen? You know, you're, it's like a contradiction. What's going on here? Uh, so that's that would have been my reaction. It'd be like, wait a minute, you told me to have the son, and he'll be. I'll have all these descendants, and now you're trying to tell me to kill my son. I, I don't get it. <laughs> it's the son that he loves. That decision, you know, like to go against his own nature. Yeah, yeah but it's a test. It start. It says right in verse one. This is a test, right? So this yeah. is not God uh, promoting or even practicing child sacrifice. And as we know, spoiler alert, <laughs> Abraham did not actually kill Isaac. So there was no child sacrifice. Yes. Right? A lot of people yeah. will like try to you know criticize this event or something. And it's like he didn't actually sacrifice his child. How many people <laughs> have used this story to go against the Bible? Like... God asked him to kill his son, and like I would, he was actually a cartoonist, he's a famous, but he always goes against Christianity. And one of the interviews that he did about himself said, You know, I can never get past the story of God requiring you to kill your own son. Like I looked at my baby, and I could never ever even have that thought to kill my own son. So that was his rant against Christianity because. Why is God, you know, making you kill your own flesh and blood? Yeah. Well, he didn't actually do it, though. Nobody. It was that. a test. Yeah, it was a test of faith. It was. It was. It's one of the most uh, severe tests you could imagine, right? Yeah, but it's only a test if you can carry it out one way or the other. Like it's, yeah. you know, so like he would have to been willing to kill him because God asked. Yeah, him. he is testing his faith. Like God knows what's going on. God, you know, I will. God told me to do this. I don't quite understand it. I don't really want to do this, but that's what God told me to do. But can so you I'll do it. Him saying that today to anybody, it's not going to work out well. Even just having that thought. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, well, I think we're tested in different ways today. I mean, the the end times tribulation is a test. I think to see if we will uh, be willing to die for our faith. So that's not, you know, it's not. We're not going to sacrifice our children. Although maybe that's part of it as well, just in, in terms of, you know, they will be, they might be martyred as well. But um, that's part of the test, I think, is to, do we love uh, this world or do we trust God even to the point of death, you know? Yeah. So we might face a similar test with our own lives someday. With our own lives is fine. It's the hard part <laughs> when you have to. Well, if you have children, then you're, you know, if, if the parents are killed, then what happens to the children, you know? Right. Um, so. Anyway, but uh, yeah, it's a test. I mean, it is it is fascinating to look through this uh, this theme of testing, and uh, you see different ways God can test people. All right, so no, wait, wait, wait. so Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his donkey. 
and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son. So there's two other men there. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place that God had told him. And on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from a distance. Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there and worship and then return to you. Wow. So this took a few days to get out there. Third day, right? Yeah. So he know this whole time, he knows what he has to do. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. Uh-oh. <laughs> okay. Laid it on. And then he took the fire in his hand and the knife. So this is not only like killing the child, uh, burning them as well, right? That's what he thinks he has to do. So so the two of them walked on together. It sounds like Isaac is carrying the wood, I guess. Um, and, wait, and he took the fire. I don't know. That's a little confusing. But, but he, Isaac... He his son. So I think he was ready to do something. Yeah. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father... And he said, here I am, my son. And he said, here's the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Okay. And then Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Now that's kind of interesting because that's basically what happened, right? Yeah. So maybe. maybe referencing Jesus too. Oh, like, yeah. Stories about Jesus. And but did Abraham know, do you think he suspected that he wouldn't actually have to kill his son, you know? Like, did he know, maybe he knew he was being tested somehow. God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. Maybe he's referring to Isaac. I mean... Um, well, he's you know, already I mean, given a promise that Isaac will have descendants numerous yeah. in the sky. So he, yeah. he already had a clue that maybe he can't kill his son, the one who's promised. Yeah, he's carrying it out because God asked him to, right? And even maybe if he knows. Died, yeah, maybe he trusted God. Thought that he could be resurrected too, in a way. I don't know, but he yeah, he or way. yeah, or have another son. Like like he he still believed in this grand master plan of these many descendants and this basically a, a kingdom coming through his descendants. So um, maybe he just thought, you know, this is a. Uh, you know, either way, this either way is God's still going to keep His promises somehow. Um, yeah, I mean, it is it is, it is very kind of morally uh, repugnant to us today what what the situation is. Um, but he didn't actually do. That's the main point: is he didn't actually kill his son. You know, and oh, well, um, that's because God stopped him. Although, although, <laughs> although Jesus was killed, right? Yeah, Jesus was killed. Is and part of that kind of was a sacrifice. Well, this entire right. chapter here is the foreshadow of Jesus. So, yeah. killing my own son would mean God had to kill His own son or sacrifice His own son for humanity, right? Um, and then, right at the verse here, uh, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering. So providing himself the lamb, lamb is always referred to Jesus. And so he did do that. He God provided the sacrificial lamb for the entire humanity as an offering. So I think yeah. this story is about Jesus, but it's even though it's testing Abraham, but it's doing it in a way to show 
the readers and us, even like 2,000 years later, after Christ, that, hey, you know, this is the story of Jesus that God already had planned from day of Abraham yeah. was going to happen. And also, it, I mean, God probably felt a similar way of the, you know, the there is a bit of, tr there's tragedy even in the story of Jesus, right? There's tragedy in that, but then there's ultimately the the uh, the hope or the salvation is greater than the sacrifice itself. The tragedy of the sacrifice of the death was uh, overcome, you know. Um, but even God may have felt some sadness in the death of Jesus, just like Abraham would have felt oh. sad about the death of his son, right? Maybe that's kind of like God is like, yeah, I understand this. This is what I'm going to do for you guys. It's just so you know how hard it is and how tragic it is. I will do that. I will yeah. allow my son to die for you guys. And he's giving Abraham a little taste of that and the reader as well. And um, well, this so very, we understand what God went through and, and what Jesus went through. This very line says it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, your only son, which would be the only son of God. Your only begotten son, like like it says. Uh, in, you love. So that showing that God loved, he had to sacrifice his own only begotten son, whom he loved. So I'm sure he felt sadness and, you know. Yeah, it's a typology. Yeah. Yeah, it's a typology, something that actually happened in history, but also kind of points forward to the fulfillment. See, this is, this is something that was fulfilled in Jesus. Like he says in Matthew 5, I, have, uh, I did not come to abolish the law and the prophets. But to fulfill them, this is Genesis is considered Torah. This is yeah. historical narrative, which is also Torah. Torah is not just the list of laws in Leviticus. Torah is the historical narrative. The story of Abraham is Torah, teaching and instruction, right? This is teaching and instruction, learning the ways of God. So Jesus fulfilled all of the Old Testament, including this story right here. He fulfilled this. Yeah. This typology. Anyway, where am I? Nine. <laughs> <laughs> then they came to the place that God had told them. So Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood. And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on the wood. <laughs> then Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. <laughs> He's getting like as close as possible. And then, but, oh, here it is again. The angel of the Lord called out to, called to him out of heaven, out of heaven, and yeah. said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not lay your hands on the boy or do anything to him. Because now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your only son from me. See, the point of the test. Now he knows how strong our faith really is, right? Yeah. Now he knows through his works, through his works, his faith was revealed, right? Yeah. Something like that. It's also saying something about himself. You have not withheld your only son from me, just like God didn't do that either. It's mm. like mimicking what he is actually saying about himself. Yeah. Yeah, but that's important. And this might may even apply to us as well, right? Um, now I know that you fear God. We want God to say that to us, right? Yeah. But there's some some who will be weeded out. They they don't they don't fear God. They don't uh, 
And I think this word fear maybe even includes trust, right? You don't trust God. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we don't trust God. It is, it's not a normal fear. Like we're supposed to be afraid of God, you know, oh no, God is coming. <laughs> you know, like a, like a trust and obey, trust and obey and have faith. Faith includes obedience, um, yeah. but we don't have to be a perfectly in, obedient. But uh, in a greater, putting him above us, really, you know, like a lot of yeah. people. Yeah, do all kinds of stuff because they think they're at the same level or or even above God. Well, we think it's all about us, right? Oh, this is all about me. What's God going to do for me today? Mm. <laughs> you know, it's like God is there as their little genie in the bottle to help them with their life, and that's what you hear at church sermons are all about that, right? They, you know, like uh, if you trust, you know, you do this, you will have a good life. And it's like no, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna suffer and be persecuted. What are you talking about? I try because <laughs> I was going to go find new churches. So I started researching and ah. oh my God. So I started listening to their sermons and by yeah. second or third hour, I was like, I can't listen to this anymore because it's mind numbing. It doesn't mm. teach you or instruct you. No. It's really motivational, like words of their own. Yeah. Yeah, their motivation, because that's what they think people want to hear, yeah. and uh, they want people to come back. It's kind of a business, you know? I oh, mean, their job cool. is really to collect money. Yeah, which is sad, because we're instructed to gather. That's one of the families. We are, yeah. And, and, you know, for me, I go to church, and it may not be perfect, but it's um, it's like, it's just part, it's not the whole thing. The thing is, we have to keep church in its place. It's not like the... The uh, you know it's 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 not the only thing we do in yeah. our walk with God you know what I mean it's just part of it but I do enjoy meeting with the other Christians and talking to them and getting in you know then they have some small group meetings here and there you know so it's not um, like the sermon itself is not like it's not like Moses coming down the Sermon on the Mount every Sunday you know what I mean it's like it's like they do their little sermon you know and sometimes I I get stuff out of it actually usually. And, um, but that's not like supposed to be our only interaction with God or the Bible, you know, that's just a taste. Of I just it, you know? wish it was more natural rather than scripted, you know, where they're doing it as a business. I just wish there was like a 24 seven Christian ways to meet each other whenever they want. And it was more natural and serving each other rather than a stage setting yeah. being performance and all of that stuff. That's the part that they're I putting on a show for sure. For sure. They're putting on a show. To a certain degree, but there, you never know. There might be some good ones. At least these days, you can kind of check their website, see what they believe in, and yeah, that's what I li started. even listen to some samples. You know, yep. there's probably some good ones out there. You know, you never know. Well, let's hope. Because uh, if I, I move know. into that area, then I well, right now I don't have too many choices to walk around and get them. But in the new area, I would. There's literally like seven or eight of them very close by, so I've been checking them all out. See which one I'd be able to go to. Go to like a like a black church or something, you know. Yeah, there is one there too. <laughs> <laughs> Try that out. They they may be a little more honest, actually. To be yeah. honest, <laughs> a little more down to earth, you know. Unless unless they, uh, you know, some of them get quite political as well. Um, yeah, it all depends. You know. I mean, I, I've been through so many different kinds. I, I just kind of rotate now. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah like for me i just decided to commit to this one and i'll like I, I have a few options actually but it's like i'll just i'll just commit to it you know because yeah. you're going to find something wrong with it eventually 
but you just keep going back anyway. You keep going either, you know, regardless of that, because we're dealing with imperfect human beings. Yeah. Ultimately, you know, it's not, we're not going to the top of the mountain when you go to church, you know, and uh, (laughs) they're doing their best and, and, and pastors and preachers are not theologians necessarily. They have a general understanding, but they're not experts on the Bible actually, really. Yeah. I don't Um, have any issues with, that whole thing. I, my only fear is that getting into a church where there's completely wrong doctrines and getting infiltrated. These days, there's a lot of like uh, lesbian and gay pastors yeah. and stuff, and, right. and people are proud of that. People are like, "Yeah, my church has a lesbian pastor. Man, this is awesome." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because you know that is not God. You cannot go there. You know, but it's insane. Like, like that's. I mean, it's just insane. It's people are this, people are insane. Oh my god, the videos that even come out of these places are crazy. It's insane. I can't even talk about it. But they were just like the pastor, a gay pastor with a woman on stage. Dancing, but the the way they were dancing was like sick, and it was the whole scene was sick. Anyway. Because the truth, the truth is offensive to the world. Yeah. Right? So they're trying to please the world. They're trying to get their approval of the sick world. So well, that anyway, only shows wouldn't. that people are sick too, though, not just the. Oh, they are. Yeah, it's it's almost like a, a hot. They're like a hospital that doesn't heal people. It's yeah. like, oh, if you're sick, just come to the hospital and hang out, and we'll remain sick. Yeah, It'll be great. We won't heal you because you don't want to be healed. Right. <laughs> I mean, I want to see the Book of Acts when I go to church. You know, like that. So it's like going to a gym, and you don't actually have to lift the weights. Just come to the gym and hang out, and you can say you went to the gym. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> don't do the work, the pain, because that's painful and it's hard and it's difficult. Yeah. You know, that's what they're doing. It's watered down, but I think there are some people who do want a real church, so maybe there yeah, is one. I think there's somewhere. a lot of them who do. You know, that's what I kind of know. Oh yeah, we we have this. Well, created in the image of God, we have a, we do have part of us wants that fellowship with God, right? Yeah. Uh, so, and that's universal uh, around the world. I think they are seeking um, for yeah. good leadership. There's probably there's, there might be some uh, small. Some small uh, church in some rundown building somewhere. That's uh, <laughs> that's good. I don't know. But yeah, anyway, yeah. where are we at? Thirteen. Then Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up as a burnt offering in the place of his son. Abraham called the name of that place. The Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it will be provided. Then the angel of the Lord, the Lord will provide, yeah. The promise for all of us. Yeah, and the Lord provided his uh, his, his, uh, his son, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham out of heaven a second time and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will indeed bless you, and I will indeed multiply your descendants as the stars of the heavens and as the sand that is on the seashore. Your descendants will possess the gate of their enemies. Uh, through your offspring, all the nations of the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed you because you have obeyed my voice. Yeah. Before the focus was on his faith, and now the focus is on you have obeyed my voice. Yeah. 
Right. That's work. Kind of, yeah. But the works are a result of his faith. He's, right. he's uh, walking out his faith. He's proving his faith. There is, there, there is this concept in the Bible of, of being tested and so that our faith will be proved, proven. I mean, there, there's verses that talk about that. Um, so Abraham returned to his young man, and they rose and went together to Beersheba. Then Abraham lived at Beersheba. Okay. Any other? Now, at the end uh, of this chapter, I have a few New Testament references to this as well. Okay. Um, if you want, if we have yeah. time. Uh, sons of Nahor, Nahor. After these things, Abraham was told, Milcah has also born children to your brother Nahor. Uz, his firstborn, Uz, his brother, Kemuel, the father of Aram, Kesed, Hazo, Pildash, Jil, Jidlof, and Bethuel. Bethuel became the father of Rebekah. Milcah gave birth to these eight, to Nahor, Abraham's brother, his concubine, whose name was uh, Reuma, and who also bore Teba, Gaham, Tahash, and Makah. So these are, who, who are they talking about here? Abraham's brother? Nahor is Abraham's brother. Oh. Okay. Your brother. Okay. So it was basically his brother had a bunch of children. Why is that important though? I don't know. <laughs> Why now? You know? Yeah. Is that the end? Is that the end of the chapter? Yep. That's strange. How did he come in here though? Because we just did the whole Isaac thing. Nahor's family. Um, Genesis 20. Oh, man, they these, well, I, I think what happens, um, this provides a historical background because Isaac marries into this family. That's what it is. Yeah. So chapter 24, these people uh, come back into the story. It's kind of a, it's a prelude to the story of Isaac. But first, then, then chapter uh, 23 is Sarah dies. And then chapter 24 focuses on Isaac and Rebecca. And yeah. Rebecca, Rebecca was just mentioned in the thing we just read. So it's given us, it's telling us where Isaac's wife uh, comes from. Sounds like he married his cousin. So you wanted to look up the New Testament reference to who? Yeah, yeah. If I can, uh, let's see here. Um, yeah. Okay. So let's start out with uh, Hebrews 11, verse 17. You can start at verse 17. So this is, uh, now I don't know if we covered some of these verses before, talking about Abraham's faith, but here it's talking about this test. So, by faith, this is Hebrews, by faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. And Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. Yeah. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death because he believed that's what would happen. But, you know, I mean, so this is a new, you know, New Testament commentary, if you will, on, uh, on what just happened there. Yeah, so, and before I even knew about this verse, that's exactly yeah. what he Yeah, wow. Oh, you didn't know about that, huh? Yeah. Wow. Because I was going back in his mind as he was doing it. So I was thinking, well, he's already been told that Isaac was a promised line. So how could he, if you really believe it, guys, so I'm putting myself in his place. If you really believed him, then there's only two choices. Either he's not going to die or he's going to resurrect him from the dead. So I, I, 
I was kind of feeling whatever he said here. Yeah. Yeah. So it's uh, then he go, you know goes on to talk about others by faith. But this is the focus is on on faith. By faith he he uh he did he did these works by faith. You know what I mean? Like there's this connection with faith and works. Yeah. Um by faith. This is, this, and then he goes and talks about by faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau by faith this by faith that, right? By faith. So he's talking about faith in this chapter 11. Um, Here's it also goes on and on that Abraham thought that he could be raised from the dead, which this concept didn't really happen until Jesus's day, right? So he thought this even long before Jesus that this was possibility of God to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then if you go down to the end of chapter eleven in Hebrews, the very end of that chapter, um, let's start out um, thirty nine. So, so there's a whole list of all these other people who had faith and did certain things. And then these were all commended by their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Right? Direct, like, did Abraham, was Abraham the king of this huge nation? Not, not really, right? Mm -hmm. And at the promised land, they never conquered the land in his day. And uh, he did not own that land, you know. And um, even Mo Moses didn't even go into that promised land of Canaan, you know, that physical piece of land. Um, since God had planned something better for us so that so that only together with us would they be made perfect. So this this real promised land was not really the land of Canaan. It was the whole world and the real promised people were not just those descendants, the physical descendants. Those were the people who through the story took place through them, but the real promised people of this kingdom are are us, people in Christ, right? Is that, I mean, what do you think? Yeah, that's, yeah, no, that's the main that's, point of chapter 11. Yeah, because all of these promises, most of the people in every generation, they don't necessarily see that. Like, we're not yeah. seeing exactly how God said it to Abraham, that I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars. Like, we have no idea where these descendants are if or who they are. But yet, I do know from reading the so far that God is has a redemption plan he's carrying it out he's bringing his people and this promise is going to go way into the future when a new heaven and a new earth and he's taking care of the people because all of the nations were going to be blessed through Abraham's descendants which could be happening all along but we don't necessarily are aware of that. So I think it's a bigger promise that's coming ahead. Yeah, definitely. And then, um, all right, so I have I have two more. The next one is James chapter 2, verse 21. Now, let's just start at 20, I guess, since there's a paragraph there. You foolish person, do you want... Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? <laughs> Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together. There it is right there. That's the explanation, right? His faith and his actions were working together. And his faith was made complete by what he did. Yeah. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. So, that, yeah, I think we talked about this before. That's Genesis 15, 6. Yeah. That, that important verse. And then Paul, you know, because Paul has a slightly different take on it, but he's, Paul is focused only on faith because he's talking to people who are trying to get, you know, achieve salvation through works only. 
So he's focused on the faith. Whereas, uh, whereas James, he's talking to people who have faith, but they don't do anything about it. They don't help any. Pe- they don't help anybody. They don't have any works. He, they like you need a little bit more works here. So he's focused on trying to persuade them to do something. Um, and he was called God's friends. You see, that person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. So he's saying that his faith and his actions were working together. So faith, he's saying faith. Yes, you're declared righteous by faith alone, but that faith actually does include works the whole time, you know? Well, Um, yeah. So in the context of uh, Abraham's story, God was with him and instructing him to carry out certain things which he believed and he carried them out. For us, when we read the Bible, I think our faith and works are really applying everything that we kind of understand what the... Bible is telling us, right? So it's not like randomly going out, picking good works or any of those kind of actions that you think that you should be doing. It's really God has to lead you uh, to whatever you're gifted to do. Yeah, and we're not going to impress God with our works. You know, we we cannot, uh, we cannot like like we're talking about before. If we have this, uh, you know, if human beings are in a state of uh, human, you know, depravity, and we're uh, almost like we're addicted to sin or we're slaves to sin. The works are not going to fix that. We need the faith fixes that problem. And then um, the works follow the faith. The yes, faith changes this us. One cultural topic that we're dealing with in our day is actually is a great example. You know, they talk about like gay Christians, which doesn't exist. So either once you accepted Christ into a new covenant and you are now a Christian, Christian, you're no longer a gay Christian. So there's this mixture of like whatever identity that they give gave themselves before is somehow it's still carried through. So I think like if you're faithful to God word, like you know that that is wrong, right? The cultural norm of whatever is happening today, that's wrong. So your works is to follow through where you can't accept it. You cannot like well, yeah, I mean, it's the same as, uh, I mean, he, you know, heterosexual fornication is in the same list in, in uh, 1 Corinthians. Well, we should, we should almost go there now. Let me, let's, let's, um, let's go there. <laughs> this is a very interesting verse. You know, this verse, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9. This is a, um, and there's, you know, there's Rom- Romans chapter 1 talks about people being uh, given over to basically a, a depraved depravity and all that. We can go there as well. So verse 9, do you know that, okay, so uh, wrongdoers, um, the unrighteous is actually, I think, what that word really is there. Or, do you not know that the wrongdoers or the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of, of God, right? The prom- this, is, this does relate to Abraham, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, that's, that's heterosexual fornication, the pornea. In fact, the word is pornea, or it's pornis, pornis, it's where we get the word pornography, internet porn, all this stuff. Sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, adultery, right? So these are all kind of heterosexual sins, right? So nor men who have sex with men. Oh, hold on a minute. Ah. Go to the. We got to go to the King James because the modern translations. See, ah, I've made videos about this. The modern translations remove the transvestite from this verse. Paul has it in his original Greek. Now look at the difference here. Verse nine. Okay, do not be. Okay, let's let's read this one here. 
Know ye not <laughs> that the unrighteous, the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be ye not deceived, neither fornicators. See, that's a better word, actually, fornicators. And we don't like that word, right? We don't like it. See, see, here's my point here. I'm not defending the homosexuals or anything like that. I'm saying oh, the heterosexual people often will point the finger at the het at the homosexuals and say, look at those guys. But yet they're practicing heterosexual fornication or they're looking at porn or something like that. You know what I mean? It's like, so, so, so the homosexual stuff doesn't even really directly apply to most of us because we're not doing that stuff. But what are, what are the sins that we are susceptible to? You know what I mean? Um, anyway, nor adulterers, nor adulterers, nor effeminate. That's the transvestites, the Greek. I've researched this. The Greek word there is malakis. It's used in the first century to describe transvestites. Men wearing makeup, dressing in women's clothing. All right. No Bible translation has translated this right. In modern translations, including the ESV, and the one that you use is uh, mod whatever that's called, the modern English version, is, uh, and a lot of other ones. Most modern translations do leave this word out of it. Hmm. They don't even translate the word. Like, how many times in the Bible do they just like, oh, let's not translate that word? <laughs> Never. They translate every word. <laughs> Why okay. are they not translating the word for the transvestite? Maybe. And we have a transgender agenda going on in yeah. the world right now. I'm not saying it's a conspiracy, but it almost seems like one. Let's just say it is. Or it's a spiritual blindness. Yeah. It drives me crazy. <laughs> nor, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. So there's the homosexuals right there. He's got that covered. You don't need to list homosexual twice. And, and what they'll say is, see, they don't understand. They had transvestites back then. And they were part of the pagan religions, and there were priests and prophets in the temple. So, so, uh, so, so, what what scholars will say? Oh, it's talking about pederasty, which is an older man, uh, like uh, like having sex with a younger boy. That's what they think this word effeminate means. No, no, no. Because if you look at the word, the way that used is word, the way that word is used in Greek, even in the Bible, in other places. It's talking about transvestites, men wearing makeup and dressing like women. So how effeminate were they? Very effeminate. These are transvestites. These are not just effeminate mannerisms or weak men. So people just don't understand. So the transvestites are in the Bible like 10 times at least, and nobody knows it. Well, <laughs> and it's always condemned. It's always, always condemned as a bad thing. Yeah. Same well, with homosexual. homosexual homosexuality is continually 100% guaranteed forbidden in the Bible, but so is heterosexual fornication. Well, all of it. Which hits all a little closer it. to home for most yeah, of us. Yeah, it's all sexual sins. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Only yeah. in the context of marriage. So I think, all, but, but let's continue. It, it, it actually explains it more. Nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards. I used to be a drunkard, you know, full disclosure. Uh, I haven't well, drank for 32 years. I haven't, but I have to drink next year because I you can't stop drinking for thirty three years because then people will think you're a Freemason. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to have to start drinking next year, but oh, I have no. not had a drink for thirty two years. So, but I was, as a teenager, I was a full blown drunkard. Really, I was a blackout drunkard. So 
if it says those will not be able to inherit the kingdom of God. Does that mean I'm not going to inherit the kingdom of God? And I used I used to, you know, I used to mess around with a lot of women as well in my twenties, you know. Yeah. Full disclosure. Been there, done that, you know. Well, I've looked at it. I don't know any porn, person alive today that hasn't had sexual sins. Yeah. Yeah. No. Other than no. like but he's saying we should not inherit the kingdom of God. So let's go to verse 11. And such were some of you. Now he's talking to Christians, right? Such yeah. were some of you. So it includes heterosexual fornicators, people who look at porn, uh, whatever, drunkards, and trannies, sorry, transvestites, and homosexuals. Such were some of you. So yeah. that's what we should be saying to sinners who come to church. It's almost now it's like no sinners allowed in church. <laughs> you have no, to clean yourself up first that. and then you can come you know but here's the know. thing it's not about <laughs> sinners because every sinner is at church that's not the problem the problem is that they are accepting so it's not like yeah okay okay i'll see what you mean yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but well let, let's let's finish this paragraph i think we can get some clues how to deal with these situations yeah but you were washed but ye are sanctified you you are sanctified and you are justified, justified is righteous, to be made righteous in the name of the Lord Jesus. So you're just like Abraham was declared righteous by faith, we are declared righteous, and justified means to be declared righteous. It's the same root word in Greek, actually, so it's a little more clear. And the Spirit, and by the Spirit of our God. So the name of Jesus, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, we are cleansed, we're washed, we're sanctified. All things are lawful. Um, let's see. Uh, now he goes on in some weird tangent. <laughs> Are you saying you okay, can okay. Do all things, but it's not good for you. 15, verse 15, verse 15, scroll down a bit. Do you not know that your bodies are the, well, I'm going to go to King James, the members of Christ. Do you not know that your bodies are the parts of Christ? Shall I take, shall I then take the parts of Christ and make them the parts of a harlot? Yeah, uh, God forbid. Do you not know that he, he? Do you not know? Do do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with them. So that would apply to the homosexuals, right? Transvestite, everything, all those sins everything. above that he just yeah. mentioned. Shall we? You know, your body is is a is a part of Christ. Um, so the homosexual, the fornicator, whatever. Yeah, but but it's, they're they're all on the same list. All these sexual sins on the same list. So what's the solution to all of them? I yes. think it's the same solution for everybody. Yes, right? but my point was that churches are accepting it as duality. Like, you do they accept? Uh, do they accept heterosexual fornication at these same churches? I I, I don't think they do. Them. No, they shouldn't. They sweep it under the rug. Do they expect, do they, uh, what, like if you go over that, that list in verse, uh, verse nine, that begins in verse nine, do they accept, uh, ad adulterers? No. Do they have, do the, are the, are they given a sermon? We should, we should accept adulterers at this church because they're born that way. Yeah. They do they do that? Oh. Why not? <laughs> well, it's today, at least maybe in the future. Uh, pedophiles. Hey, you yeah. know, the pedophiles, they can't help it. Let's accept them. Continue yeah. being a pedophile. Continue cheating on your wife. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay. You you are a, a cheater. You're a wife. You're an adulterer. Yeah. Let's, let's have a parade. So I think the difference between... So why do, yeah. 
These people that don't inherit the kingdom of God, is it because they never repented from that? Right? Yeah, that's what he's talking He's not talking about, oh, you guys made a mistake, you're going to hell. He's saying they, they, they're they deliberately living and uh, living that way. They haven't repented. Yeah, they haven't changed. Let's go back. There's something, if we continue, but 18, verse 18. Verse 18, escape. So what's the solution? I think this would be the same solution for the homosexuals or for people who look at, a lot of guys are addicted to internet porn, you know, but I, I, I'm thinking human beings are just addicted to sin. Can't we say that? If we say it like that, it's almost a little more understandable these days because everyone talks about addiction and all this stuff, it's right? Are we just addicted to, it's the flesh and the flesh it's the moral depravity. It's the doctrine it's either, of moral depravity, of uh, human depravity. Yeah. We're born. We are born. It wants things, you know, like it wants yeah. goods and, you know, it wants food, it wants sex, it wants all these things. And it's like a craving and a hunger to pursue yeah. it. You have to have self-control to say no. And it, it, might, it doesn't go away completely because, because no. uh, you know, because we still have these same bodies, right? These physical bodies, but we're not slaves to sin like we used to be. But we're still going to be tempted and maybe even fall into temptation sometimes. But it's because we don't have our new glorified body yet. But let's finish this paragraph because this gives us a little bit of a solution, I think. Escape from sexual immorality, right? It includes the homosexuals. Because I, I think churches should try to help the homosexual people, try to help them you know, break out of that. Because if you just reject them, or, or well, you reject you reject that behavior, but you help them. They need help getting out of that, right? You do. So, and if they come in the church for that reason, and they uh, they were they were they were abused as children. I think every oh, I say percent of them. Yeah, right. they're abused by a man as a child. That's why they're gay. That's that's what caused it. They're not born that way. They they were abused. Yeah, by man, that's the sad part. Priest, I actually, whoever. That's I'm what causes it. Um, that if you talk to gay people, they'll tell you that. Oh, no. I think, of them. Totally. I think almost 100% were abused. Yeah, and it's almost like they're indoctrinated into that, you know? And um, somehow that, you know, it hap if that happens to it, if that happens to a, a, a man when they're a boy, you know, when they're, if that happens to a boy, they're abused by an older man as a boy. Yeah. I don't know if all of them turn out gay or not, but all gay people were abused as boys, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, there's, you know, so. You know, anyway. but that's why the indoctrination is so evil now, because they're making that a cultural norm. So oh, man, every, every TV show, every movie, yeah. every TV show has a gay love scene these days. Yeah. So what does that do? <laughs> like, when initially you should feel sad and compassion for all of that got abused and turned out mixed and confused but now since it's like celebrated they're attacking the next generation so it's like openly abusing all the little ones it's satanic it's satanic he, yeah. satan wants us to to remain in our flesh and our sin but let's, let's read this here because this applies to everybody i think uh straight people whatever um escape from sexual immorality every sin that a man commits is outside the body but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body what <laughs> do you not know that your body is the temple of the holy spirit who is in you whom you have received from god and that you are not your own you were bought with a price 
Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Whoa, God owns our body? Our body is a temple? Is that just a metaphor? Nope. It's not. <laughs> we are, because we're... Yeah, no, it's real. Yeah, and bones it's real. that hold the spirit. So whose spirit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a temple is anywhere the spirit of God resides. Yeah. Right? So, so and, and, and I think if you sin like that, the, the spirit of God cannot dwell in your body then. He has to leave. Does he leave if you commit sin? I think he leaves for a while and maybe comes back because it's defiled. It's it's you you have to cleanse the temple again. You why know what why I mean? come back? I mean, it's like, yeah, I don't know. I I, I don't know. I, well, I think that's what he's saying. He's um, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you. Um, doesn't really tell us what happens um, when you sin, right? Is that but like, when people sin, they feel horrible, right? They feel horrible, uh, and you're like, ah. <laughs> you kind of lose that connection with God, I think. Um, yeah, it's awful, that whole feeling when you actually know you did it wrong. Yeah, so um, something hap- something uh, something bad happens, I think. Well, we face the consequences of our sins, so I don't think Because that- God dwelled in the, the temple before and actually left because it was so defiled. And it was defiled by transvestites and uh, all kinds of idolatry, and whor- they were whoring after other gods. It was fornication, you know, fornicating with other gods. Because uh, in different passages in context where it says, when you cast out demons, if they don't have the Holy Spirit and dwell with them, seven more come back in the, you know, remember that story? Yeah. So- I don't think Holy Spirit can leave your body. I think we can grieve it, but we can't. Yeah, maybe that's what happens. There, there's, but there's some kind of uh, diminishing connection with yeah, it. You know I'm what I mean, sure. or something. Yeah. Um, there's some consequences. There's consequences, there's but consequences. we're not. There's a difference between, um, like, if you a lot of, I think a lot of Christians are afraid they're going to lose their salvation. You know, because they sin, they did something wrong. But that, see, the works don't justify us. The works are part of faith, but they don't justify us they even though uh, james kind of says they does he i think james uses that word in a slightly different way but um see we're not we're not uh 100 perfect nope in this lifetime although a lot of people claim they are so maybe they are i don't know but well, see, it would seem like i'm not yet maybe you know um now now i think i have one more oh there's one more if you want we got off on a little ta- tangent there you have time for one more yeah. verse? Romans, uh, it's an Abraham verse, uh, Romans 8.31. I don't know how we got it talking about homosexuality when we were talking about Abraham. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Oh, uh, I think it had to do with how the churches allow. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's just bizarre. It's like, oh, sin. Yeah, let's continue on in sin. Oh, the point that I was, gonna, was trying to make was the works. Uh, because oh yeah 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 works reflected so if uh you know if they go off on tangent then they don't have that works you know that's embedded. okay so this one here this one's a little less direct but what it is so so verse 31 romans 8 yeah i'm gonna get rid of it. yeah we can do away with the the old english yeah. for now i know some people think that's the only acceptable bible but uh now this so. one's pretty close. <laughs> it just changes it 
the word so modern. So that's why I choose this one. Yeah, I mean that's a big thing. It, it, it's it's a good translation. It's just old. It's a uh, old English. It's yeah. that's not the language right. we speak these days. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, thirty verse thirty one. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son. See, see this phrase right here, verse thirty-two. That's pretty much exactly what they said in Genesis twenty-two regarding Abraham and his son. Yeah. So this is talking about God and Jesus here, right? So it's exact same language. Yeah. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Um, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who just it is God who justifies. There's that word justify, which is also related to righteousness. Yeah. And the opposite is unrighteous or wicked or um what was there was a word uh they used um uh, in the previous one. There there's a lot of different English words, but the Greek is basically the same. Um so it it is Christ who died yet who is risen. Um Ah, this is a good one. Verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are all we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for slaughter. <laughs> um so anyway, it's just kind of a indirect it's kind of a veiled reference you might not notice that but it does relate back to abraham and isaac with this terminology is showing that it's a typology of this um, yeah i think the whole abraham story with isaac was about jesus and what's happening here um but it's also promises right here too that that we're not going to be separated from god despite tribulation distress persecution famine all this stuff that's coming up or what does it mean by nakedness why do they add nakedness well that, that's kind of a um that that means that you're poor um yeah it, it's a it's not a good situation to be in you you can't you know you don't even have enough clothes uh money to buy clothes you're homeless basically yeah um yeah um now there's one more what was i uh what did i just click on here Oh, let's go to John 3.16, famous verse, mm -hmm. which is very interesting if you read the whole thing. We don't have to do that now, but um, yeah, yeah, we should. We, let's, re, let's continue. Let's read John John 3. Just go to John 3 again. You know, how I, I <clears throat> see, I, I'm not like a one verse kind of guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> a lot of people are, but no, the, the Bible is not just a bunch of parables, you know, that you can just take one verse. We have to read the whole thing in context. So we're going to do something that, People may everyone knows John three sixteen, but they don't know the rest of the paragraph. So let's let's read this whole paragraph, and it does relate to our topic today. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Right, very similar to what we saw in Abraham. Yeah. So that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. Sounds like a pretty good deal to me, but I guess some people disagree. I don't know. <laughs> Verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Yeah. So I see, see, I think the world's already condemned. Like we're all, we all start out condemned. The we're world is condemned. Well, the world is condemned. He, he came to save the condemned world. I think he already has so that, that we, yeah. 
Salvation is out of the zombiness that the whole world is already living under. They're the dead. They, they're the walking dead, literally. But they're still here. There's still yeah. a lot of them. Yeah, but remember the promise of uh, Adam and Eve, what um, God said that if you eat of the, treat of the fruit of the tree, you should surely die. That was the first and only commandment in the beginning, telling what happens to humanity if they were to eat that forbidden fruit. So now, because of Jesus, you know, taking us out of that into himself, the salvation. So all those that are people that, the, basically, they're already the dead, the condemned from the day that Adam and Eve sinned. And Jesus is just snatching people away from that death to himself in all these generations so far. Did I go off? Let's, on let, let me throw you a, yeah, no, I agree. Uh, let's th let me let's just throw a real curveball right here, real quick. Go to, maybe in a different tab. Go to Jeremiah seventeen verse nine. You can just this one verse will do for now. I just came across this yesterday. Seventeen verse nine. You're gonna do one. <sighs> yeah, I'm, this is a rare, rare doing one verse. This heart, the heart, is more deceitful than all things and desperately wicked. Who can understand it? Um, actually, you know what? It, it's in, in the ESV, it says desperately sick. I'm not sure what the Hebrew is there, but uh, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Yeah. So, I mean, that's just that, that's our situation that we're born into. Yeah. And um, now, what's this word here? Yeah. So, um, so anyway, so that's our situation. That's the, con the condemnation, you know? We're sick and, and dead. Uh, We're the ones that the heart, and and then the the new covenant cleanse is written on our hearts, right? So it's our, it's, our, it's not our physical heart either. It's a, it's our it's our character. Our, our uh, what's the word for heart? You know, what's what's what does that really mean? It's our essence, our well, our, our soul. Spirit. You know, soul. our life, our spirit. Yeah, is 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 wicked, right? So anyway, so getting back to this. So he doesn't need to condemn the world because we're kind of condemned already, right? Um, so yeah, through the world might be saved. Yeah, because I, I, what I was gathering from the early story with Adam and Eve is that because of their sin, they entered into a decaying and dying world. And yeah. on its own, like if God's presence wasn't going to be with them, they would just, the toll of evilness would just take it to the nth degree. And that it would re it will no longer look like God. So, like if we let evil grow on its own without God's presence, by the end of it, it's going to be so unrecognizable, so evil that it's only because of God's presence that we kind of have normalcy, even while people are sick and dead. So it's I, like, I um, yeah. yeah. Go, go ahead. Well, I was just thinking is that because, you know, God was saying in the beginning that my spirit cannot dwell with man for so long because he recognized, uh, you know. What Genesis all, 6. Yeah, Genesis 6. Yeah, where it says the heart is uh, um, uh, every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Yeah, and to your point, right. it's not God condemning the world. He's actually trying to delay the decayed death, you know, until he takes the final stand at the end. Like his presence is what gives all of us life. 
energy. Yeah. Like, he, all those he's things. He's trying to we, save us. Yeah. yeah. And he did. He, he saved, he saved us. Yep. Had he left Adam and Eve by that time, like on their own, within the first generation, it would have been done. It was only through God's grace that, mm -hmm. you know, their family line tree continue in the whole storyline. But yeah, yeah, they, yeah, the plan was there. It, it, and we see that in Genesis 3.15, the, uh, the, the, the seed will defeat the serpent. Yeah. You know, the serpent who brought all this sin and death into this world. Um, let's finish off this John 3 paragraph. Um, go back up to 3.18 uh, now. He who believes in him is not condemned. See, we're, we are condemned before. Yeah. He who believes in him is not condemned from the judgment, right? The future uh, end times judgment, we're not, yeah. we will not be condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. This is the verdict. So this is like legal terminology. Right? You're sentenced to destruction. Eternal. Yeah. Sorry, you've been sentenced to eternal destruction. <laughs> yeah. Because you didn't believe. Yeah. This is the verdict that light, light has come into the world, and men loved the darkness rather than the light because yeah. their deeds were evil. See, we, we see this in 2 Thessalonians 2, it says the same thing. That's the that's why you can't wake people up. That's, All these truthers trying to wake people up. Oh, they just need more information. No, <laughs> they don't. They have no interest in the truth at all. Yeah, they love the darkness. Actually, they love the lies. Sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> but this amazes me quite a bit because, you know, like they're professionals, they're educated from the dumbest to the educated. They love the darkness more like than the that. light. Yeah. I mean, you can take some of the great men, you know, that are very wealthy and educated and all that. Um, like the whole they're deceived. Industry. Judge, they're condemned. They're condemned to be deceived and and suffer the mark of the beast. Yeah, that's a judgment. That's a judgment. For let's just finish this off real quick here. The uh, for everyone who does evil hates the they hate the light. Yeah. Or the truth, right? And does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. They don't want to. They don't want the truth, because the. But he who does the truth comes to the light, so that it that it may be revealed that his deeds have been done in God. There, there, there's kind of a correlation there with the faith and the works and all that stuff as well, right? <clears throat> so anyway, I, to me that explains what's going on today. Why are people so brainwashed? It's because of this. But what? Because of this. Yeah, but because this is the important part. Because their deeds were. Yeah, yeah. They want to keep looking at internet porn. They don't want to go to church. They don't want to pray. They yeah. don't want anything to do with God because God's going to tell them to stop doing the stuff that they like doing so much. Yes. Right? It's sometimes, but, but they're not all into these kinds of things. There are unbelievers that are living in their own light or reality well there's secular humanists yeah which is not going to end well either that's what most most truthers are secular humanists if we just wake well, people up and we'll create a new government and we'll create a new world ourselves yeah, we'll create our own utopia we'll create right. our own economy we'll create a utopia you we'll know, get it right this time i always <laughs> wonder like since they know that all these things are wrong and they talk about it but yet, 
There's never been a big community saying, hey, let's just pray against all this evil. It's the human heart is the root of the problem. These, these things are all symptoms of the human heart. The evil in the human heart, everything else is a symptom, including this and all the deception and all the... I don't know. You can't see that. I'm doing this. <laughs> the, uh, the, the vitamin, oh, yeah, the vitamin yeah. shot, the yeah. vitamin shot, the vitamin shot. Everything is um, a symptom of the human heart being corrupted and evil. And uh, people love the darkness more than the light. So, you know, so, I mean, you can try to wake people up and whatever, but not everyone's going to come to the light because they don't want their deeds to be exposed. I mean, I have tried for some. They don't want to. In fact, it's kind of a boomerang effect. I'm the one who gets thrown the darts if I. Uh, oh, of course. Well, look, yeah, look at uh, look what happens to the, all the Christians. They were all persecuted in, in the past and even now. And um, yeah, but I think I, but I think it's important still to try because when they reject the light, then they're kind of condemned. Like, it's like the wheat and the tares. They're conf they're like. They're separated into the tear category, you know, unfortunately. I don't think they know that um, they're a tear. I think they don't know the problem. See, people don't understand or believe the yeah. problem that we face. Just being alive, we're in a certain situation. They don't realize that we're going to be condemned. If we're not saved by default, the default setting is condemnation and judgment. Age is of Adam, right? Concept, Adam. This concept is only the Christians understand this. So, like, the stuff that we're talking about right now of, you know, the sick and the, the dead and condemnation and judgment, this is only what the believers understand, not the unbelievers. They have no, this terminology doesn't exist for them. So, yeah, you know. So, how do you reach them? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> At least for some people. I mean, I, I feel like the only, oh, there, I, I do have a positive story. Uh, one person that was in between or not sure, suddenly out of the blue said that she wants to be baptized and she's ready for it. And well, that's good. Oh, she's ready. Yeah. I, th I think that the process of being ready for people can be kind of a painful, you know, event, like, like they say with the people who drink, they, they have to hit bottom, right? Yeah. And that's that kind of what happened to me, you know, and uh, you just get sick of it after a while. You're like, ah, oh, I've tried everything. I've and, and a lot of people try to improve their lives on their own power and then they find out they cannot. So God is kind of like the last uh the last resort. It's a last option, you know. It's like, oh, I've tried everything else and I'm still stuck in this situation. I guess it, I guess I'll try <laughs> God, you know. There <laughs> are people that have these issues where they do try God or they, you know, or they choose not to. But then there's some people who never experience these things to even want to reach out to God. So what about? Yeah. Well, they I don't know. I, I think, I think at some point, well, I think God calls out to certain people as well. Sometimes God reaches out to people and, um, I think you know, that's maybe, the answer. Yeah. I think God does reach out to all those he calls. When people are ready. When people are ready to humble themselves a bit, you know, right. um, quite often it's a life crisis. But I think even the world right now, you know, there's a crisis going on, generally speaking, in the world with all the tribulation that's starting. And uh, I don't think there's a human solution to that. I don't think we get out of this um, right. by, yeah. you know, no by ourselves. This is a... Uh, 
you know, we only God can save us, and He might not even save us physically. He may allow some of us to be killed, but uh, we're saved eternally. Well, He's though. already given out the plan. That's He's going to create a new yeah. heaven, a new earth through faith, and, and He's yeah, us through whatever. I think we just read that. Passage. Yeah, and this in this life is you know everyone wants to survive and all this stuff, but it's like this life is temporary anyway, and this whole world is really temporary, right? Yep. This age, this age of the world, you could say, this era, and there'll be a new well, world. You know, the very whatever. fact, your lifespan, that tells you that everything is temporary. You're only given a certain amount of time. It may be cut short, but you're only given up to 120, and nobody even lives that long. By the time mm -hmm. you're like 80 or 90, you're ready to go anyway. So. Yeah. You know, that and the infinite amount of time, eternity that we're going to be with God, that's like not even measurable. It's nothing. It's like, yeah. you know, microsecond in God's time. So, you know, so I, yeah, I think as, as the situation heats up with these end time stuff, if that's what's happening now, then uh, people really have to make a choice about about God and start to, uh, you know. Well, that choice know. is already, I think, is laid upon people. <laughs> every yeah. day honestly yeah yeah it's a test it's almost like this test right the abraham and his son isaac it's almost like that's the situation we're all going to be in not literally not exactly that situation but uh, we're going to be tested um yeah. and I, I don't have the i don't i don't remember where this verse is but there's a there's a verse about being tried uh so that our our face our faith is tested and we will come through the fire i think it's in peter um i can find it right now in fact uh and if we go to uh it's a good verse it's it's well worth the wait <laughs> here it is i got it right here um it's quite a lot in fact in one peter um there's a couple uh one peter chapter one verse six in this you greatly rejoice even though now if for a little while you have had to suffer various trials in order that the genuineness of your faith which is more precious than gold that perishes though it is tried by fire or tested by fire may be found to result in praise glory and honor at the revelation of jesus christ whom having not seen you love and in whom though you do not see him now you believe and you rejoice with joy, unspeakable, and full glory, receiving as a result of your faith the salvation of your souls. Whoa, <laughs> pretty amazing, huh? Yeah, it's not yeah. So one Peter is a lot of a lot of uh, what the letters of Peter are, especially about uh, tribulation and how to kind of endure that. Um, good, good, a good, uh, good book, a book, a good book to read now and then these days. I think you know. So, but testing, you know, testing and... Uh, well, hopefully we yeah. won't fail this test. Because once we pass, it seems like we inherit everything. So the, the tested the genuineness of your faith. See, see our, our faith has to be tested to see if it's genuine. Yeah. Right? Right. So, so you maybe. have to recognize that so you're being tested. And it's tying in uh, tribulation is a form of testing, according to this here. That, I no. think, is going to require a lot of faith and trust in God to get through that. Yeah. 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 And then, uh, okay, you want one more? One, one Peter, 
4. <laughs> 1 Peter 4.12. Uh, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial or ordeal that is taking place among you to test you as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice insofar as you share in Christ's sufferings so that you may rejoice and be glad also in the revelation of his glory. Um, yeah, I mean, if you want to read uh, the whole thing, um, but it's another, you know, it's another instance of rejoice when you are tested and uh, facing persecution and all that, which is not my first response no. to tribulation. I don't like it, but if I read the Bible, then it tells me to rejoice, and, it, and I can see the big picture of the whole purpose of it all. So when mm -hmm. that becomes faith plus works, when you don't like it, you know it, but you know the Word of God and you endure it, that's works. Yeah, yeah, that's your faith being tested and being proven. There, there is a verse somewhere, I don't know where it is right now, the, about proving your faith as well, you know, the genuineness of your faith, right? So so it's, it's a way for God to weed people out, I think, a little bit as well, and to help us grow, help to prepare us to enter into this eternal kingdom, right? I think all of this is really for preparation. Sanctification. Yeah. Yeah. Because you yeah, so yeah. without, like, Abraham didn't have the Bible, so he had the faith, and he carried out what God told him to do. But Yeah, because, you know, I'll go ahead. I was just because this is kind of, I think it's written for every generation and us so we can handle what's going to happen in whatever way that it's going to happen. Yeah, and also kind of how to uh, respond when we are faced with tribulation. You know, um, I don't think we can stop it. Uh, what's what's going to happen? We cannot stop it because it's part of biblical prophecy. And that's, you know, a lot of the truther community, they want to try to stop what's going to happen. It's like, um, and I think part of that is because they're not ready for what's really happening. They don't know what's really happening. You know, I got sucked into a little bit uh, early in 2020 because trying Oh, yeah, me too. Yeah. Yeah, but then I realized, wait, yeah. this is not, this is going opposite of what the Bible says. So then I It was pretty shocking. And 2020 was a shocker. That was yeah. shocking. That was really shocking. So, yeah, I, I responded in a kind of a natural way, yeah. not in a spiritual way. Um, right. Just in the last year and a half, I've taken a more spiritual approach to the whole thing, which is not going to be popular. You know what I mean? People don't want to hear that, really. People don't want to hear it. They People don't. want to rise up and uh, fight a conventional war, but we're not a, in a conventional war. It's a spiritual war. It is. And I think even if we were given more time, it, it still has to be bought, uh, fought spiritually. It cannot be kinetic. But that won't stop them, I guess. That's why I, I always want to pray. I think the book of Joel is right on point, tells you what to do if people do it. You know, things are good for a while. And when they forget, it goes back to bad. So people have forgotten yeah. that. That's why we're seeing everything now. Yeah, it's kind of a judgment. Yeah. You know, God, God allows Satan to, uh, to, to, to do this kind of, to deceive people. It's revelation. That's, that's, re that's, that's what I see when I read the book of Revelation. I see God opens the abyss. The beast comes out of the abyss. It literally says that. The yeah. beast comes out of the abyss to deceive the people. 
And I think I, that's kind of what I see going on in the world. I don't know. Yeah, there is great deception for sure because they're buying into all the lies. But at the same time, the stuff that the you know where Satan's plan is genocidal and all these things that are happening. I mean, I think that is Satan doing it, not yeah, yeah, God. imitating God, imitating Sodom, imitating what God. I actually made a video that I haven't. I have to edit about this and um i think it's uh satan imitating god yeah trying to trying to imitate god we just yeah. finished that book um or the chapter about Sodom. yeah all of a sudden yeah this is the new version or well, that's true what a, what a what a coincidence that was huh but wow. it's not god who did that like his judgment is appointed at a certain time he set out exactly how he's going to do it it's talked about in the book of Revelation. So all this stuff that's happening now, you know, it's the same story. Like, why does God allow all this evil to keep happening where people are just doing all kinds of stuff? Where in the Old Testament, he was taking very quick judgment against anybody who sinned a certain way. Judgment mm. was immediate. But now it's not. So all this that's true. Yeah. thing that's like sort of going on, that's all Satan. We can't attribute to God. To yeah. Yeah. Well, but but God uses Satan for judgment as well, I believe. Yeah, he God, does. You know what I mean? Like God used the Babylon to punish the Israelites. Yeah, Babylonians the were not is, good people. Right. So the wouldn't the effect is like the believers can see right through that they're tested, they don't follow through with Satan's plan. Yeah. They remain with God while all others are deceived and then they are in effect judged, even though God never brought that on them. You know, so yeah, so yeah, so Satan's trying to, Satan's uh, trying to, you know, imitate God and create some kind of covenant where you know you're going to be in Satan's kingdom or you'll be kicked out of it and persecuted. Yeah. You know, the world, right? Everybody's so, um, making that choice every day and with every event. They're always forced to make that choice: go with God or go with Satan, and that's that separation that we see. Seems like yeah, it. Yeah, I, I, I pray for all those people that are damaged in Hawaii. You know, there are a lot of them that went through horrific stuff. So I, I mean, it almost seems like they can just do this anytime they want to, anywhere. Oh yeah. And is this my, my first thought about that was that this is practice? You know, but then there were certain things that they wanted something. I guess it, it was something about land where they weren't giving it. Well, over. I, I always look at the bigger picture, though. Yeah. It's more than just money and land. This is, and also, you know, they, they did one before in Paradise, California, a few years ago. Right. So Paradise, oh. and then Maui's kind of like a Paradise. It's it's yeah. Satan attacking the Garden of Eden. Oh yeah, spiritually, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. They they always have some. Uh, there's always a deeper thing going on than just money and land and pra and practical physical things. There's yeah, a, this, in that sense, God is a typology. Yeah, he's saying. Is, but but I just wonder, like, who's next? You know what I mean? Um, like, and then not to be afraid. It could have your our our the town we're living in could just be wiped off the face of the earth in, a, in, in an instant. Yeah, they have like, the they laser have the laser weapons. Yeah, which is more dangerous than the nukes and everything else. Because look what it did. It was like well, nukes don't even exist. Yeah, I mean, nukes are a yeah, hoax. But, but it seems like these got they got something. They got some kind of thing going on i guess unless i mean you never know what to believe in the media because they they could fake anything they want really but, uh, but i've seen videos of actually yeah. when they were using this weapon it looks just like uh, a dropped 
but it's not. It's laser, which is like microwave energy that just. And they they have drones. Is that they're coming from a drone? Do you know? Like what? I'm just wondering how it actually works and how. Like, could they do a? Could they just eliminate a huge city at once? They probably could. I guess. Huh? I think we know that now. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, what's the size? Well, that was a small town. But, but the uh, thing was weird about that was that even though like a couple things have to happen, maybe there was already fuel that was got sprayed, and that oh they they prepared in advance yeah because it's, and and there was only like well, there was only like one road to leave yeah. that so they could cut they sealed off the roads as well and the wind was super strong that's what was carrying the fires everywhere well I guess I mean yeah, yeah. it's hard to know it's hard to know exactly. Um, but, but it's it wasn't it was just it was no it's impossible yeah the the, the cars it looked kind of like 9-11 you know with the right. cars being burned out there's no way that was a natural fire and uh yeah so it just makes you wonder what's next you know what i mean but i think the main point is not to not to fear them you know fear god trust god and uh whatever happens is going to happen um yeah, the big that. picture yeah. yeah, I mean, if, if they, are they just going to wipe out uh, lots of cities that way? You know what you know what I mean. And then you know they could even uh, tie that into the the alien. It almost looks like an alien attack, right? I mean, yeah, they're well, getting I ready think, to. I think they're getting ready to introduce some sort of alien. Yeah, well, I mean, maybe it's a test because because you get these lasers coming down. Why don't they just show the actual lasers coming down and say, "Hey, this is an alien attack." Maybe that's what they'll do well, next time. I don't know, but because uh, <laughs> I think humans can figure out right now that it's microwave energy uh, people can do. I think what's coming with the aliens is going to look supernatural, where they're going to be deceived, thinking that godlike beings are coming to Earth. That's the new the gods are in town. Yeah, because uh, remember yeah. we were talking about like. The destruction with the Great Flood and then Sodom and Gomorrah and some others, they all had related to angels in some way. Mm, yeah, so, yeah, strange flesh. Yeah. Un, un, uh, unlawful flesh or something like that. Yeah. 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 So then I, to me, I think that kind of clicked that maybe that's the end time mm. perception is to bring that connection between angels and humans once again. There, there, yeah, you know, there is there is some stuff about this, uh, the way a, a demon will connect with a person, and there's a way to, uh, there's they seem to have some kind of uh, bacteria type of thing where the, uh, like the angelic bacteria, it's it's pretty strange. I, I, I know some people working on this thing, and, it, and it's, uh, well, this is like their main focus. There, there's some st weird stuff going on with with this. There, there's something real about this, and they're telling us, but nobody sees the symbology except for one guy that I know sees it, who <laughs> well, I think has the you, gift of prophecy. If you think about it, all those demonic spirits that are disembodied spirits that just kind of hang out and possess, right? They have nowhere else to go since it wasn't part of God's plan. So they are not with God, and they're not the human form of dead waiting once they connect back so i think in the future i think this whole thing that's been happening with human history is with all the technology is to somehow give life to these demonic spirits whether it's through possession mm. 
in a new way, mm. like AI, whatever. Because using technology. Yeah. Yeah. That, exactly. To, yeah. To, That's what's happening. Yeah. So the future is going to look like the past that we're reading right now, before the flood. So. Yep. Yeah, and they're doing it. They've they've been doing it a while. I think a lot of these celebrities and you know the government, these people are uh, not exactly human. Nope. <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean, <laughs> I think well, <laughs> when you did the eagle emblems of all those nations, I think that, that shows you who they serve. Yeah, that's who they serve. Right. That's so that the boss. Yeah. Those fallen angels have to be existing right now on earth oh well they exist somewhere yeah but why would they be choosing all of that connection if they aren't already part of these very powerful very famous people why inhabit like some homeless guy on the street when they could go after exactly yeah be a be a celebrity and be worshipped as the, you know they're, they're promoting idolatry and uh tyranny and uh, all the things they love <laughs> yeah. So Sin yeah. In, yeah. Strange flesh. Yeah. Like strange flesh is becoming like law. Right. You know, the pride kind of stuff. That's all strange flesh, isn't it? Yeah. It's the it's the image of the beast, right? It is. But even human to human, we're still the same flesh. It's the strange flesh. I think it's uh -oh. beyond stranger things. Yeah. More than human. <laughs> Oh man! All right, so All right. We, we we covered a lot today. So I know this is probably one of our longest ones. It shows that you can almost talk about anything, really. Like whatever whatever chapter you read in the Bible, you can kind of go off on any tangent you want to. Really. Oh, we're very good at that. At least I'm very good at that. So maybe you you the audience would have to tell us if you're distracted by us we're all over the place well some yeah. people will be like shocked like like a normal christian who would be like what are these people talking about you know and then uh you know so. <laughs> yeah like we try to keep it straight and narrow but there's always so much stuff. well no you never want to do that too much you know we, we want to get to the truth of the matter right and the truth is stranger than fiction really or about the same i guess you could say so you know, it's well, the it's very supernatural and is a huge <laughs> puzzle. And I think you're doing a good job deciphering. The, the, the X Files was a documentary. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, we're pretty much going to be living in the X Files very, very soon. Yeah, I think we are already. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway, all right. Well, thanks a lot. That was good. Yeah. And bye. bye.